This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Well, hello, everybody. It is officially October 32nd, and this is the October monthly episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. Just kidding. October 32nd doesn't exist, but on our calendar, it's going to have to because uh, our calendars are just so whacked and so crazy that it's hard to get all of the stars to align the way we would want them to. But by gosh, we're here and we're back for another really great discussion, talking about all kinds of different shows and movies that we've been watching, getting everybody caught up on some recent news, plus a really great top five discussion that I confirmed we have not actually done before. Thank you for making me question myself, Stephen Schinder. But it's going to be a really, really fun episode as we just kind of get caught up on... Uh, on our nerddom and get caught up on life and uh, just hang out for the next little while. I'm Zach, and joining me, as he pretty much always does, back for another go-round, it's the one, the only, the very busy Mr. Ben Hart. How's it going, Zach? How is it going, everybody? And we are back, guys. Yes, it's still, it is still October, okay? I don't care what anybody says, (laughs) we are going to continue to believe that it it is october no matter what the calendar says um and uh, we got some a couple of spooky things i watched one spooky thing last night that uh you know me i don't watch a lot of spooky things but i watched this and i quite enjoyed it looking forward to talking about it um yeah we got got the whole roster tonight it's great It's it's good to be back so you watched spooky stuff. Did you see any like spooky kids dressed up? Do you give out like sausage links instead of candy bars at your barbecue restaurant or something to trick or treaters? <laughs> I wish I could say. I'm sure uh, we would have had a better turnout maybe if word had gotten around that the Hart uh, House was giving out barbecue instead of candy. I can I can officially say that I sat on my porch for about an hour and a half, maybe two hours last night, um, playing my Nintendo Switch. Which, which I just got, what I'll talk about in a few minutes. Nice. Um, and uh, not a single kid showed up. <laughs> not one. Not a single one. Oh, that sucks. Well, it was their loss. I had a bunch of candy. Now I'm going to eat it. Well, yeah, that is their loss for sure. <laughs> um, we we had a few um, before sundown, but after that, um, they really kind of dropped off. And we're blaming it on the construction because we we've got construction going on at the end of the curb uh, at the end of our neighborhood, they're turning like this street into one of those roundabout turnstile type of deals. Yeah, and, we've got a lot of those around here. Yeah, and, and they've had to uproot like all of the ground, and they're like paving new roads and stuff, and it's a whole mess. It's not going to be done until like next August or September or something like that. So hopefully it'll be done just in time for a good turnout on uh, next Halloween. But with that, um, that is actually going to bring us 
to uh, one of our new segments for this variety style IPC episode that we do. Um, right off the top of the of the show, we'd like to do something called Edna's Icebreaker, which uh, we started when she was my fiance, and now we've been married for over a month. My lovely wife loves the spooky season, and we were looking for different topics of conversation that could relate to Halloween. And one of the ideas was if you were uh, a Halloween candy, what kind would you be? What's the the best Halloween costume you've ever done? Um, But then as we were going to bed last night, we actually saw that there is a trend going around, or there was a trend last night, where people, I guess, on TikTok or just social media in general had the idea of instead of giving out candy or in a supplement to giving out candy, there was also the option of handing out raw potatoes <laughs> to trick-or-treaters. Of course. And of course, the most random thing possible. It is so random, and it's so weird, but it actually proved to be super popular. And so I'm going to share a little anecdote from a Twitter thread that I found, and then it'll help us transition into our icebreaker question of the evening. Someone uh, named Jana G. Pruden on Twitter said, Offering kids the choice of candy or a potato this year because I saw a meme about it. And honestly, it's super funny to see their reactions. A little while later, she started a thread and goes, Update. A little girl just chose the potato, quote, for my dad. I let her take the candy, too, for being so cool. A little while later, she posts, I'm down two more potatoes. And then another tweet, two more potatoes gone. At this point, I'm worried about running out of potatoes than candy. (laughs) Another tweet says in all caps, another potato gone. And then the next one, she says, absolutely no deliberation with that little girl. Just potato, she says, and grabbed it. Like there wasn't even a choice to be made here. A father of a toddler who was seriously torn between the potato and candy said she heard a kid running down the street saying, I just got a potato! And then wasn't sure if they should come to this house or not. The toddler initially took the potato, then tried to also take the candy, then dropped his bag, then tried to grab a bunch of candy, and then tried to grab the potato again. Another toddler... Another toddler, I guess toddlers go trick-or-treating now. That's new. Um, But another toddler, she says, going straight for the potato. Though she was repeatedly saying apple, so there may have been a bit of confusion. (laughs) Her parents had to pry it out of her hands in order to take a candy for her. Next tweet. Teenage girl says, I want a potato! Next tweet, she says, rapidly running out of potatoes. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god three more potatoes gone she says a little while later one girl picked it out held it above her head like an upraised jewel and yelled at the top of her lungs potato the way you said that reminded me of uh samwise ganji boil em, potato boil them mash them stick them in a stew yeah a little girl given the choice between candy and potato thought for a moment and then chose a candy When I told her she could take a second candy, she instantly chose the potato instead. (laughs) And then there was one. A bunch of girls came to the door after a long lull. 
One grabbed the potato really fast. Then the other screamed, I want a potato. Can I have a potato? And then they took their candy and went running down the driveway screaming, potato, potato. They, they were apparently really, really loving it. But here's the one that ends the whole thread. Um, she was down to her last potato. And a child comes to the door at the end of the evening and says, I don't normally come to a house twice, but could I please have another potato? <laughs> this kid, <laughs> this kid came all the way back to Jana's house just to get a second potato. Came back for seconds. Second potato. Came back. So instead of second breakfast, it's second spuds. I don't know. <laughs> but that was just a thing, apparently. She she gave kids the option. You could have, you know, a Reese's. You could have, you know, a Mars bar. You could have a Butterfinger. But then there was also the option of taking a little yellow potato. And it's so... It's so crazy. It's so ridiculous that this finally brings us to Edna's icebreaker question. What is something unique other than cash that you would like to receive as a trick-or-treater? As, oh as, as viral as the potato was during last night's Halloween, what is a unique item that you would want if you were trick-or-treating? I can honestly say not a potato. <laughs> <laughs> not a potato. Not, not, not a potato, you say. I love potatoes. Okay. I love potatoes in a lot of different ways. You can fry <laughs> them. You know, there's, there's, you know, potatoes. I love potatoes. Uh-huh. But raw potatoes instead of candy, not sure. I'll, I'll take Maurice's peanut butter cups instead of potato if I had to choose. <laughs> um, I, I, but I like the idea of diversifying. Halloween. Yeah, I love the idea of let's let's go for something more healthy. Not sure if potato is the way to go, but you know it's not it's not sugar that's going to keep your kid up all night. Um, and clearly, the new generation coming up loves potatoes. Like they are they they're freaking flipping out over potatoes. Like I didn't know, but I, yeah, I don't know. It, do they even like know what they have? Is it just like it's something that's not candy? Right. Right, it's just it's something other than candy. Back in the day, um, do do you remember the the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown special? Yes, I think I do. Yeah, they were they were talking about what they got in their different bags, and one of them was like, "I got this. I got a nickel. I got a I got a candy bar. I got a I got a mini Snickers, whatever." And then Charlie Brown, poor Charlie, he looks in his bag and he goes, "I got a rock." A rock. I think kids today would love getting a rock. Like they made it sound like such a bad thing in that in that special, but I mean, honestly, I think kids would would like put little googly eyes on it and name it and call it their pet and take it to school with them and all kinds of stuff. Like, the, it's just it's a different generation. It's a different world we live in now, and I think they would yeah. love having a uh, having a, a pet rock that they got for Halloween. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, pet rocks used to be a thing. My parents, yeah. they they That's when true. they were kids, they had pet rocks. That's true. Like that was a big thing back in the day. Like they somebody made billions off of that. Um, 
putting a rock in a box. <laughs> yeah, people <laughs> people made it. so much money off of a rock in a box, and they made so much money on taking a, a robe and putting it on backwards and calling it a snuggie. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm so pissed that pet rocks and snuggies made more money than I do doing the everyman job. You know, it's just the the, the lightning in a bottle invention is just so crazy at the things that people will buy. Well, in the same vein, if we're talking alternatives, um, something unique that you might find in a trick-or-treater, I'm going to go for something a little more, um, let's just say, internet famous. Uh-oh. Uh, let's just say something that's things. Oh, no. I think, I think I'm going to go for bacon. Oh, okay. Okay, you went. Okay, that that is a classic. What did you think I was gonna say? I thought you were gonna say what I was gonna say, and I was like, "No, he didn't. No, he didn't." Because Which is, I was happens way too much on this podcast. It does sound the same way, but it, like, it's kind of scary. It truly does. Bacon is a great choice, but I was also thinking of another piece of food that is also internet famous right now. Oh, corn. Corn. Okay, how is corn internet famous? I don't. I think I missed this meme. Oh, dude, it's been around for for months. There was a, there was a kid who was like, um, "I really like corn," and then they were like, "Why do you like corn?" And he's like, "Well, I mean, because it's corn." And then because <laughs> it's corn. Because it's corn, and it's this cute little kid who's maybe like five years old or whatever, and. He started saying things like it has the juice and it's it's so unbelievable. And then he's like, I could tell you all about it. Like he wanted to go on some sort of a TED talk about corn. And then then that's when the Internet truly hit was after he did all of that. Um, it it became a song. this kid is is just it's super cute and and it's and it's just super super funny and it's it's turned into a a viral meme sensation uh particularly on on tiktok but um it's it's also become like a a way of advertising because chipotle jumped on this kid's fame and they they did it they did a commercial that was from the point of view of the server um that was trying to dish out a burrito bowl for a customer and they kept going down the assembly line going you know do you want white or brown rice and the, and there's a little voice going no thank you and then it's like what kind of uh beans do you want no no beans and then like do you do you want any meat no keep going down the assembly line do you want any queso no you want any veggies? No, thank you. And like sour cream and cheese? No. And they finally get to the part of the Chipotle aisle where there's that that corn that can go on your burrito bowl. And they're like, "Corn?" 
And then it finally pans up, and it's the corn kid who's been ordering oh the food God. the whole time. And they finally get to corn on the Chipotle assembly line, and that's when they pan up to the kid's face, and he just lights up, and he's like, "Yes, corn!" The corn speak. Whoever is a corn producer needs to just hire that kid as their spokesperson. I, I'm telling um, you, Del Monte is like missing a huge opportunity right now because this kid's. 15 seconds of fame has like turned into 15 minutes and I don't really see it ending anytime this year because only recently I again this was a TikTok that I saw but only recently did they start playing it on the radio like a national radio station <laughs> in New Zealand had to get like a certain social media engagement like 10,000 likes on a tweet or something and it convinced the executive producer of the station to be like okay you can play a minute and a half of this song on the radio or something like that and and so like only recently has it made its way to the airwaves but it has been going to I guess it's been going viral to certain parts of the internet. I don't know how you, Mister Internet Guru, have been missing out on on this meme. But the the corn kid is like one of my favorite memes of the year. For shame, for shame that I missed corn kid. Um, it does remind me of there's an older one out. It's been out for years, and it's uh some kid opening up Christmas Christmas presents. Mm-hmm. And there's just like this crudely wrapped present that looks like it's kind of wrapped in a ball. He opens it up and it's a it's an avocado. <laughs> yes, and he's like, an avocado. Yes, thanks. Yes, and you like you don't know is it like is this kid like is he just like a really good kid that like appreciates like every single present he gets regardless of what it is mm-hmm. or does he really like avocados? Hey, being from Texas, I freaking love avocados, dude. They are super super versatile. They get put in salsas, they get put on toast, they get made into guacamole, they get deep fried sometimes and dipped in ranch. I mean, Texas knows what to do with an avocado, I'll tell you that much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so you, yeah. You, had, you had bacon and I had corn. Those are the two things that we would have enjoyed getting if we were trick-or-treating. Now, I'll say this. When I was a kid and, like, before I knew about the corn sensation, I probably would have agreed with you on bacon. Maybe, like, bacon bits even or something like that. Like, even that would have been cool to get. Um, but if I was if I was going trick-or-treating right now, I would have been like, it's corn! It has the juice! And I'd be running down the driveway, like, like doing all of that. Now, believe it or not, we've actually got one or two live listeners on our super late night Mixler broadcast tonight. And Danny Dukes from Canada is, is tuning in and he suggested in the Mixler chat, mini barbecue sauce bottles. That would be interesting. I really, I really like that. I'm thinking like, like little bitty tiny, like um, sometimes I remember specifically um, after Hurricane Katrina, mm-hmm. which is a pretty big deal down here, yeah, um, we bit. got these things called. Do you know what an MRE is? I believe so, but can you refresh me? Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know what an MRE is, it's like a military grade, like all purpose, all terrain, like meal pack. 
Like you okay. open it up, okay. and it's got everything in it. Um, yeah. You know, it's got then you can you can set it up, and you can it's like has food that like self heats itself, and all this kind of stuff is basically designed to give to soldiers that are going out into no man's land, and they can have something to eat and, and survive on. Um, they gave a bunch of them to us because well, a bunch of people lost their houses or whatever else, and right. you know, it was it was crazy, um, and kind of impractical. But you know, we we take whatever we got. Um, so in those things. In those things, you could get really tiny, and I'm not even joking. They're about the, as tall as a quarter, little tiny bottles of Tabasco sauce. Oh, really I've things. seen those. I've seen those. They only have like three or four drips in them, right? Right. They're they're so tiny. Super tiny. That If you could do that with barbecue sauce, that would be incredible little, little uh, uh, trick or treat. See, I was – see, I, as, as an adult, I also wouldn't mind if they did like an adult version of trick or treating where instead of candy, you got those mini plastic bottles of alcohol. <laughs> hey, I am all for adult trick or treating, okay? It was devastating as a, as a teenager to be like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to keep dressing up. Then it right. started going to Comic-Con. <laughs> right, right. Comic-Con is like Halloween for adults. Absolutely, pretty much. You, you, know, you, you just <laughs> can't. They don't give you anything. You have to. Oh, dude! Uh, spend all your money on treats. Oh, dude. Okay. You know how we were talking earlier about how you and I are often on the same wavelength. <laughs> Apparently tonight, <laughs> my wife is on the same wavelength as me because I wasn't looking at my phone when I was talking about those little liquor bottles. But then I got a little notification on my computer that said that she messaged me. So I opened up Messenger, and she says, I would want liquor samples. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Oh, and that is why we're married, because we're both alcoholics. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Boy, I, boy. I, would, I would totally do, like, mini barbecue sauce bottles that are about the size of those miniature Jack Daniels. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, those right. those little ones that you see at the mini bar at a hotel or something like that. Something about that size would be good for one or two servings of barbecue sauce. I would totally do that. That'd be really cool. That'd be really so, cool. Thanks, Danny. Got for... so many ideas. So yeah, many ideas really. Here. Come on, guys. We've got some great stuff. Hit us up on our socials at IPC Podcast or at our personal pages and let us know what kind of unique items you would want when you go trick-or-treating but thanks for that submission danny that was awesome glad you're with us on the live chat tonight thanks for being a part of the show good to have you danny so one of our next segments that we do and this one's going to be really interesting because um you put your list together and i was making my list separately and i realized that you and i literally have only been watching one of the same thing We're so far off. We we are uh, we, like as far as our as our watch list goes, we are just on completely different wavelengths. But I think that's going to make for a really great discussion because what well, we used I to was, do, yeah, what we used sure. to do was like, okay, we have to watch this so that we can both talk about it. But now that the way that the show is kind of constructed, we don't really need that anymore. And if we if we want to talk about whatever it is that we're currently watching, we have that option now, which is really cool, right? And I was I was kind of worried because the one thing that we did cross over on uh, was the one thing I'd hope you'd got a chance to watch because yes, I this is one thing we've connected over for many years now, and I was I know you've been very busy, um, so I was like oh, I hope he's watched this thing because it's very important and it's very good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 
Um, do you want to talk about that now, or do you want to you want to save it for a bit? Uh, let Let's save it for the interlude because if that's if that's the one thing that you and I have both watched, then we can use that as like the transition out of what you've been watching and like into what I've been watching. Is that cool? Sure thing. Um, and my list is half uh, half watching and half playing. Yes. Okay. Uh, I I've I've got to make mention of that. I know that that you've got something else at the top of your list, but I just have to make mention that for years there has been a debate in certain sub threads of Twitter and and Facebook, asking and wondering and pleading to find out what game system Ben Hart was going to invest in because right. it was always oh he needs to get a PlayStation for yada 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 games no 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 he should get an Xbox because it has all these backwards compatible games you know it's got you know he needs to get it for this this and this and um in true Ben Hart fashion you didn't pick either playstation or xbox you just but between option a or b i chose option c uh, and and somehow it you get a passing grade on that scantron machine i don't know how that worked i know i know i uh, i pulled a fast one on you guys but uh yes i did end up uh picking up a nintendo switch finally it's been a bit about a month ago now i've had it um and i so far can't say i've made any mistakes here this has been it's been an amazing experience so far that's um, awesome just getting back into gaming i've not done a whole lot of gaming uh really at all over my entire life like i i've there's been times when i was really obsessed with uh the original battlefront 2 mm-hmm. ps2 yep um and yep. i played that a lot um i've played some mobile games that never really got me at that into it um and you know i've played various games with friends whatever else um but you know nothing i always either got bored really quickly or whatever else but then recently i cracked open my playstation 2 my good old playstation 2 and i started playing lego star wars 2 which is the one of the original oh, lego star wars games man and i made it my mission to 100 percent that game dude i never reason. I never even did that. There were so many like like mini games and mini kits and just so so much to that game. I don't even know how many years old it is, but I I never got around to 100%ing that thing. And I didn't either when, you know, I'd been playing it since literally since I was a kid. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Like, I had that game for most of my life. Um and it came out in 2006. Really? <laughs> Wow. That's insane. And it's still a great game. It's still a wonderful game. I was um, I was in junior high when that game came out. That's insane. Um Jeez. and I had it I think I had it on two different platforms. I got it on PC first and then I recently got it on on PS2 just because I wanted to play on PS2 and and my my computer wouldn't play it I don't think. Oh. Um but uh so I made it my mission to 100% that game and I did. I went full in. Um I did all the research to find out where all the mini kits are, blah 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 blah. I got to like a billion studs. It was great. Wow. Um and so and I spent a lot of time on that. I'm like, "Okay, maybe I'm more interested in gaming than I I thought I was. Maybe I can actually like I'm not going to because I, I was always like, do I even need am I going to you know, because right now, like you PS5, if you can find one, you can invest almost a, a grand into 
a, a PS5 um, you, with games. If you want to get a couple games with it, obviously, because you wanted something to play and, you know, like that. And, you know, I, I would have loved to have done that. But, you know, I was like, I don't really want to do that because that's a lot of money. And I'm not sure I have that kind of money. Even if I did, you know, am I going to actually use it? But the Nintendo Switch became uh, a very real option for me because like mm. it's very much more inexpensive um also it's very portable and i'm just on the go so much and it's so easy to just throw my bag and go and wherever i am i can play it and it's also i play it a lot at home too so and it, you know it's, you're not tied down to any tv if you want to play in the living room i got hooked up to the tv if you want to go to yep. my bedroom i'll play on the tv you know yep. it's it's that um so that was what i ultimately but earlier this year i was like okay I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. Start saving my money. Do it. I did it, and uh, I have not looked back. Finally got it. Uh, I got Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga. Obviously, that one has. I've actually been playing that one a lot, like the past week or so. Nice. I went through. Um, I'm up to Empire Strikes Back. I got through like the first. I got through all of Hoth while waiting for trick or treaters that never showed up last night. Oh. Um. So. Uh. So it wasn't a bad experience. It was actually kind of fun. Um. Just you know, and I ate some candy while I was waiting. So. There you go. Um, and I also got a Lego Star Wars, Lego Jurassic World, I should say, um, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, that one's been on my list for quite a few years now since it came out. That's been out a few years. I think since 2015, since Jurassic World came out. Um, that one's a lot of fun. I'm up to, I'm up to does, Jurassic Park 3 in that one. It's really good. Does it have um, any DLCs for the new movies? I don't think so, which sucks. I'm gonna de- I'm gonna have to see like they coming out they came out with DC DLCs today for Lego Star Wars like they're mm-hmm. continually like you can get every character imaginable you got Andor characters I just bought the Clone Wars DLC it's got mm. Darth Maul Savage Press Captain Rex Saz Ventress it's great that's awesome um, the only downside to it is they're not like adding new levels it's just character packs uh. um, I'm hoping that they'll add like big levels I mean they got there's so much. I haven't even unlocked all the planets. Like, in it, every planet is like a whole thing. Like, you you go to Tatooine, you can go to the Lars Homestead, you can go to Moss Eisley, you can go to Moss Espa. It's right. massive. Um, and the Jurassic World games are much much similar. You can go to each of the islands. All the islands are explorable as they are. You can go to different parts wow. of them. It's really cool. Um, and that one's really good. I'm working my way through that. And I'll 100% those games eventually, <laughs> maybe <They're just laughs> at some so, point. So much. Yeah, I I, I, to... I started playing yeah. it, and and then I told some of my coworkers that I was playing it. And there's a there's a there's a coworker who's just recently graduated from high school, and um he he's very into Dungeons and Dragons, and I've never played a single campaign in my life. And he's very into Avatar The Last Airbender, so he's, like, the only person that I can talk to about Avatar. Um, But even then, those conversations run out eventually. Um, And so, if it's not business, he and I really don't have a whole lot to talk about. I made mention that I was playing the Skywalker Saga, and, like, every other day, he was asking me about my progress on the game. And I was like, dude... I had a I had a football game the other day that I was broadcasting. I didn't really have time to play the game. And I, it was like right in the middle of my wedding prep. So we would we would be doing, you know, stuff to get ready for the wedding and I'm like, "No, I'm sorry. I haven't played it recently." And he finally like only recently gave up, but I feel bad because that was like something that he was trying to bond with me over and Aww. I just I I didn't have the time for it. So I have it, 
I just haven't been able to play it nearly as much as I would like to. So I I, I want to get back into it, but I also want to get um, Smash Brothers for my Switch so that I can play Smash with uh, you and Jake. Me and you both. Man, I'm, I'm, I've, I've, I've maxed out. Maxed out my... Uh... My credit, my my Switch credit, because uh, yep. I bought a bunch of games at once. I was like, I have to stop. Okay, yep. I only play one game at a time. Yeah, about Lego Jurassic World. I bought uh, Jurassic World. Um, uh, what's it called? Evolution. Yeah, uh, Evolution. Yes. Nice. Um, which I haven't even got to yet. Like I've been so caught up in the other games. Um, but that one's one I really want to get into. I've only tried a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I found with the Lego games, I usually want to play those when I have a. Uh, some time to devote to them because they're right. just so immersive and you, right. you you get the dialogue now and the story and yep. you know even though they're very kind of easy to pick up and play i still want to kind of i want my headphones on and i want to listen to everything hear all the sound effects whatever else mm-hmm. so um a game that i usually play when i have a little bit of time is fall guys that is very addictive um and something that has helped that it's completely free um and shout out to my buddy uh, uh jeffrey white who played some Fall Guys with me a couple times online, which was a lot of fun. Um, and he was recently on his podcast, High Function. Go check that out. We talked about gaming and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, and then I've got, got Rocket League. I haven't played that much. Um, yeah, there's just a lot. And then there's there's a bunch of, there's a, a heritage pack of Star Wars games. It's got like Republic Commando and KOTOR and a bunch of them that I want to get, but I have to like wait and like pace myself. But it looks really good. I just looked it up because I I'd never even heard of it until now. But um, Fall Guys looks pretty interesting. That might be something that I'll have to look into as well. Especially it's a if game, can... it fools you. It's like you get into it's like, oh, it's a bright and colorful, and it's these little bean guys. You know, this is for kitties. And then you get into it, you're like, this is hard. <laughs> this is Uh-oh. this is serious business. You have to be really focused, and it, it's not easy. And you you will not you will not win your first or your second or your eighth round. You have to get good at it. Well, it, it says battle royale style, so it's kind of a last man standing type of thing. It is. You kind of go through a round, and you know only about thirty two people will complete the first one and you go to the second round is like 20 something and it keeps mm. going down to the last person there's okay. no participation trophies you you there's only one winner in every round so you know you you will be lucky if you if you're the one i've only won once oh wow okay well it gives me some ideas on things to look out for i'm hoping eventually things slow down enough for me to be able to start enjoying those things again but the way the holiday season is shaping up, I literally have like two days in the month of November that I don't have anything on the calendar. So um, we may have to we may have to record the pod the our November podcast on one of those two days. <laughs> yeah, that this is pretty important. And uh, yes, technically speaking, this is November, and we <laughs> this is the October podcast. So we still got to do another podcast in November. So we'll get to that. We will. Um, we'll try to find a date where both of us can get together, um, because we at least owe you once a month podcast. Okay. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, we'll work on that. We'll get. But, we'll get it. Um, but. Going that, into what were you saying? I'm well, sorry. I was I was about to say I, I think we're we're headed in the same direction. By the time our next episode rolls around, I will be able to give my thoughts on the thing that you are completely caught up on. Right. So we got Andor. Yeah. Out right now. Yeah. Um, it's a show that 
it has changed the game as far as Star Wars goes. Um, a lot of people have mixed feelings on it. I will, I will have a, a lot of people that I know. They're like, I'm not sure about this. Um, it's completely different if you're going in after watching Mando and Book of Boba Fett. It's not anything like that. It's completely different. Um, it is a show that the first couple episodes takes some getting used to. Um, I will say, be, be patient with it. It's not an action-oriented show. Nothing happens in the first two episodes. <laughs> it's just people talking. and But it pays off immensely if you stick with it. The third episode is incredible. I think it pays off grandly. And the sixth episode is some of the best Star Wars in a very long time. Um, so... I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it. I won't yeah. get into anything else because I don't want to spoil it because there are stuff out there. Um, but yeah, it's shaping up and there's stuff's happening right now. We're in it kind of the way the show is structured is kind of three episode arcs and it's we're right now. The episode that comes out tonight is the second episode of a three episode arc that's kind of leading into the finale. And so okay. not much happened in the last episode, but stuff was happening. And in this next episode is going to be setting up the, the finale of this arc and it's oh man it's some good star wars i i i wasn't sure about it at first but i've really grown to love it see i i've heard some people say that it is the closest that star wars has ever come to game of thrones and I, it's ironic that it was on basically the same time as house of the dragon because i think that is an accurate assessment of it it really is the writing and the 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 character movements and all that stuff is very much feels in the same vein of Game of Thrones. And even though like everyone's like, oh, it's Andor, we know where Andor is. There's he, Cassian is literally one of I think uh, Tony Gilroy said there's 190 speaking parts in this show. Wow. There's so many characters, so many characters in every episode, and the show is jumping around to all of them, and you don't know the fates of any of them. None of these characters, and there's some episodes where it builds up and it makes you care about certain characters and it kills off a bunch of them and you're like left reeling and then you keep going and now we're we're into another arc and there's a bunch of new characters they did introduce and you're like who's gonna die in the next episode like it's it's kind of game of thrones well that that gives me some hope for um when i finally get a chance to binge it because what I've been doing is um, I've got a, a day set aside when we're going to be doing a whole bunch of um, furniture moving and some mild renovations uh, to the house. And my uh, my parents are going to come over and help with it. And uh, our our good buddy Mondo, who's basically like a, another brother to me at this point, right. um, he's going to come down and he's going to stay the night. And then we're all going to get up and you know hang out the next day too. And so... Um, I've been waiting to watch Andor with my dad and with Mondo, because the very rarely do we get an opportunity to to watch a show together, because um, none of our paths converge. And so right. I'm I'm hoping to watch those first three episodes, um, maybe on that on that particular Saturday, and then binge a couple more episodes that Sunday with Mondo, even if my dad's not there. Um, and so hopefully, whenever we get around to the to the next episode we record, I'll be at least four, five, six, maybe even I don't know. Maybe that maybe I'll be all the way caught up because this this week is episode seven, right? This week is I think we're on. Or is I it think eight? we're on episode eight, going on to episode nine. I think. Okay, I don't it's know if twelve I'll be, episodes. I don't know if I'll be 
I'll if I'll be all nine caught up, but I'll I'll be more than halfway caught up by the time we do another episode. So I'm I, and I think I think you're going to enjoy because I think it will play better in a in a bingeable format. I think some of the episodes like um, you go through the first three episodes, they were all released at the same time. They kind of play together. Um, and then like the fourth episode is kind of a setup episode. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot happens. But if you watch like episodes one through three in kind of one sitting, it's kind of a movie. Episodes three through four through six, also kind of another a movie of itself. Okay. They play really well together. So I, I would definitely recommend if you're if anyone's out there that has not seen Andor yet, like if you're wanting to get into it, probably sit down and, and commit some time to it. Do Just it. kind of watch the first three episodes. Mm. Um, the first couple episodes are pretty short. I think the longer they've gotten longer. So we got I think the last episode just came out was like fifty nine minutes, credits and all. Okay. Most episodes don't even make it to an hour. And so um, especially like Mando episodes were like usually like 35, 40 minutes max. Right. So there's a lot more to these and, you know, they, they play really well together. So you're not, you kind of watch one episode and you're like, well, not much happened. Not much is growing here. We just kind of wandered around with a bunch of characters. But if you watch, you know, episodes four through six, you get kind of the beginning, the middle, all the character development and then the end, which is a massive climax. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hoping to get those three knocked out, and uh, and I'll I'll pitch three of it to uh to to my relatives whenever we get together, because um that that was that was kind of my hope was to to get those initial impressions together, and then you know maybe eventually I can get Mondo back on this show. He's been on a couple of times, but he hasn't been on too recently, and I think it'd be cool to hear him give his thoughts on on something like this as well. So. That hey, is... I mean, depending on depending on when, because I think it's going. I think Andor is going to end like sometime after Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. um, close to December. But depending on when we can do an episode, or we could do a special episode, I'd love to do a little deep dive on Andor, especially get, get your guys' thoughts, and I'd love to break it down some more myself. Yeah, I I, I have it as being finished on the twenty third, but it may be the thirtieth um, when it's supposed to finish. But I think there may be two different answers out there because they changed it last minute. They kind of it was going to be two episodes, and then they 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 pushed the they pushed it back and pushed put three episodes at the front. So, um, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to actually being able to talk about it. Hopefully by next episode. But um, I I have I have heard probably more good things from my community than negative things but you're definitely a little bit more ingratiated in that community than than i am um that's one that i've been trying to separate myself from for understandable toxicity reasons and i feel like i've been somewhat successful at it so far um so i'm not really too keen on diving too deep back into it just to hear uh some people's opinions that i may or may not actually want to read Right. And and I will say, I mean, there's been a lot of there's some, some mixed feelings in my neck of the woods. Um, some people are like, ah, I'm not sure how I feel about this. I will say it's not going to be for everybody. It, this Andor is not a show for everyone. Anybody that's, that likes the the pew pew of, of Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, um, it may not all appeal to them. But this is a deeper, darker, more adult, grittier Star Wars. Um, some people are like, this is the best thing ever. All Star Wars should be like this. And other people are like, ah, I'm not sure. So 
you know, I'm curious. I'm curious where you're going to land with this. Uh, I'm sure I'll land somewhere in the middle, like I always do. <laughs> very, very rarely. The one when, in the middle. Very rarely, when it comes to Star Wars, do I always do I ever go like, "This is amazing. This is brilliant." Except for one piece of Star Wars that came out recently. That was pretty amazing and brilliant. But uh, right. I wasn't even that way about certain aspects of Mando or, or Book of Boba Fett. Like our our Book of Boba Fett discussion was such a mixed bag. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes it was that was a uh, an odd show all right i looking back on it i have nostalgia for it because it was fun at the time but yeah weird show weird show well i'm looking forward to, to actually talking about it now you said you saw something spooky during spooky season spooky, can you can you spooky. can you tell us I a watched, little bit about that uh, watch something i watched something spooky on halloween night or it may have been early uh november 1st morning i don't know i lost track but uh look i'm not a big spooky scary person okay i'm usually a pretty big wimp but the mcu brought out something there was some this special presentation, something or another, um, directed by good old Michael Giacchino, which got my interest going. Um, Werewolf by Night. I know there's a comic book I was vaguely familiar with, but I didn't know what this was. It's all in black and white. Um, very much a nod to old school um you know, where werewolf movies and monster movies or whatever else. Um, really interesting. Really interesting. Not my favorite thing from the MCU overall, but definitely for anyone, because the old criticism was like, all these MCU things seem the same. They all look the same. They feel the same. Like, this is not anything. Like, this doesn't even feel like the same universe to me. Um, it's real weird. It's really just whacked out and crazy and, you know, very much. Um, old school. It's got a film grain on it. Never seen anything quite like this. Mm. That it looks like it was filmed with old cameras. I don't know how they actually did it, but it looks really good in that vein. Uh, it looks like something was made in the '40s. Like it's really cool. Um, yeah. So I really enjoy it. I won't give any spoilers away, but uh, if you're looking for something spooky, even if you want to kind of extend the spooky season uh, a little bit further, um, yeah, check it out. Well, I'm I'm looking it up on IMDb, and what's really interesting is the very first piece of trivia that it gives is that um, there were many different creative reasons for the use of the black and white in this film, but the main purpose, it says, was to obscure the blood and gore in order to avoid getting a TVMA rating. I that's something I noticed. There's there's a lot of blood in this. This is the bloodiest MCU thing. Thing. There are people getting their heads caved in, and there's blood splatter on the camera, and it's full on. And it's all black and white, though, so I guess that's how they got away with it, because if it had been uh, if it had been red, um, ho, 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 it would have been messy. Just a bunch of gray splotches everywhere instead, huh? <laughs> well, I mean, yep. you got you got to do what you got to do. It's listed as Marvel Studios' first Halloween special, and it's the directorial debut for the composer, Michael Giacchino. So that's uh, that's pretty that's pretty cool. I hadn't really heard all that much about it, but uh, based on what you've said, I may have to try it out. Yeah, yeah, and Marvel's dipping their toes into some more specials. They got the 
the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special coming out pretty soon, um, which just released a trailer, which was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, they're they're doing some interesting things with this, and I, I love that they're like, just hey, Michael Giacchino, guy for known for doing some amazing music, go direct this thing. <laughs> it seems so random, but also like it's it's really well done. It's only uh, fifty two minutes, I think it says here. Yeah, it's it's just like a short movie. Yeah, it's 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 longer than like an episode of TV, but but shorter than a movie. Okay, I'm I'm looking at it. The main character looks a little bit like Alan Tudyk. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I but, can I can I can get yeah, I can get that. But uh, Gail Garcia Bernal with Laura Donnelly. Right. I I don't know any of these names to be honest. I I didn't recognize anybody in this. There's these are all new faces to me. They're all unrecognizable. Rick D. Wasserman's picture looks like Oscar Isaac with a bad hair day, though. <laughs> um, and there's the, the actually the only recognizable face was not a face. It was uh, one of the let's just say creatures in it um, that I actually got spoiled on before I saw it. Uh-oh. Um, but it was it was one that I was vaguely familiar with. I'd heard of this thing, um, and funny I said thing. <laughs> if you've seen it, you've seen it. You know what I'm talking about. Um, but uh, I won't spoil it. But yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting, and uh, I'm curious where because there are some characters that I'm like, how could this show? How could this figure into the rest of the universe? Where are we going to see these people teaming up with the? With the Avengers in the future, I don't know. Even the fact that that's a possibility, that that's even something that you're considering or speculating, definitely intrigues me. I just like, oh, it's not a spoiler, it's Werewolf by Night. There's a werewolf in it. Okay, spoiler. Right. Um, like, I'm curious, is there going to be a freaking werewolf in the Avengers? Like, is that going to be in the next General Avengers movie? I don't know. Like, um, it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, there's going to be a Wolverine in the new... Uh, Deadpool movie, so anything's possible. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- like, no holes boring now. They got Hugh Jackman back. Nothing is impossible. I, I mean, Disney knows how to write a big enough check, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> if, if all it takes is money, then, uh, yeah, they'll they'll make it happen. Disney's got plenty of it. How much you want, Hugh? 50 million? Ah, uh, we'll give you 55. Like... I'm retired. Well, how much? Uh, I'm not retired. Uh huh. How about it? How about a couple of extra zeros at the end of that bid? Oh, look at that! I'm not retired anymore. Okay, let's do this. That's uh, that's that's pretty cool, though, man. I, I um, I I haven't been keeping up with the MCU as as well as I'd like to. I mean, I'm I'm caught up on She-Hulk, and I did watch Moon Knight, but um. I just I I feel like after um after Endgame my my ability to keep up and my interest level in keeping up may have tailed off a little bit. And I think I think it's understandable. I think honestly we are at the point now where it's I don't think it's all required viewing. I really don't. I think certain things are going to appeal to certain people. And like She-Hulk, for example, um, was a show that was freaking nuts, and a lot of people did not like it because of that. But I was like cheering it on, going like, "Okay, this is this is crazy." I'm not even sure how I feel about some of this stuff, but it's it's they're going out on a limb and doing crazy things. Um, but like, I love that they're branching out, but it is just like they keep 
this is like early MCU. They're just throwing stuff out there. Like, I don't know what they're going to do with with Werewolf by Night. I don't know what they're going to do with Moon Knight. Like, both right. those things are very disconnected from the rest of the universe. Right. I don't think you're going to need to watch Werewolf by Night to understand it. I'm intrigued because I'm a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I kind of want to watch everything, and I had time. But, you know, it's not going to appeal to everyone. I don't think they're really expecting everything to, to appeal to everyone. So, you know, you know, if you got time, that's fine. But... uh. I don't think every single character is going to show up in the next Avengers movie. I really don't. Right. I think they're just kind of filling things out. And they do a good story, and if it works into the next few movies, that's fine. If not, uh, we'll see. So one little um, piece of, of information that may help fill the gaps and kind of bring everything together. Um, I, I listed the, the cast list uh, a couple of moments ago, and my wife overheard, obviously. And she <laughs> sent me a quick text telling me that Gail Garcia Bernal is actually a very famous Mexican actor who does a lot of films in Mexico alongside Diego Luna. Oh, so if you, interesting. If you, if you want, if you want an Andor tie-in, there it is. I won't give anything away, but he's really good in this. I would love to see him come back and do some stuff. And also, freaking give Diego Luna more stuff. Give him a, seriously, like a, like a things because Diego Luna in Andor has never been better. Like that dude, give that dude all. I mean, I, admittedly, give every single actor in Andor uh, an Emmy because they all deserve it, but especially Diego. Dude, there are some Emmy worthy performances on one of the shows that i'm going to talk about as well Uh um but yeah let let's let's go ahead and dive into the one thing that we actually have seen like both of us have seen because i i feel like (laughs) it's like the biggest thing it's like the thing that kind of takes a lot of time yeah well what's what's so interesting is like you said these this thing that we're talking about has connections that go all the way back to our childhoods basically right. like the 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 clone wars movie came out in 2008 i was a freshman in high school when that started when this franchise began so long ago and here they are still making content for it in 2022 i have graduated with my master's degree and there is still stuff from this era and this animation style that is coming out. It's nuts. I mean, it really it's amazing that we're still getting some Clone Wars content. And this this begins to this kind of takes advantage of the fact that it's not Clone Wars, that it's not Clone Wars in the in that era specifically. Obviously, the Ahsoka shorts are very much in that era and around that era. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Dooku stuff is a lot of it is pre pre Phantom Menace. Um, and it's really cool to see that. It's really cool that they're kind of taking what Clone Wars established, what the prequels established and, you know, expanding on it so much. And, you know, the one, my one big takeaway from this show is that, like, it's really great and I want more. I really want them to con- continue this in some way and give us more diverse stories and, more Clone Wars stories, more post-sequel stories, po- pre-prequel stories, who knows, whatever. I I found it to be so interesting that these 
six shorts, we're able to fill in gaps that I barely even knew existed until they filled them in for us. Yeah. Like, we always knew that Dooku had a fall from the Jedi Order. That that he has a statue erected of him as one of the very few that ever willingly left the Jedi for one reason or another. And when you watch it from his perspective in these shorts, you kind of get where he's coming from. You 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 start to understand that there is a lot of corruption at the senatorial level that really needs addressing that he didn't feel like he could address from within the order that was taking orders from 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 said senate. And so to to look at it from his point of view and then like almost immediately turn around and go watch Attack of the Clones there's there's a whole lot more context to what goes on in episode 2 to what's going on concurrently with episode 1 I I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed the stuff that we got from Tales of the Jedi Oh yeah it's it's like the Ahsoka stuff obviously is expanding on it's, you know, the first episode. I don't, I don't want to get too deep into spoilers for those that may not have a chance to see it. But, you know, the basics of it, I think if you've seen the trailers, like one episode is kind of her as a baby. And you see her very, very early life and something that happens to her when she's a child. And then the second episode is kind of, you know, her in training during the Clone Wars or whatever. And then the third episode is kind of takes her from the end of the Clone Wars to the beginning of Rebels. Um and it's some stuff that we kind of knew that kind of been touched on previously in books and whatever else stuff. Um, it's really cool to kind of see it in, in animation. So if it does, doesn't quite fit as well as some people like to, but you know, Hey, that's canon, whatever else. Um, but, um, but that's really fun. It's just, you know, as much as we feel like we've been treated to have so much great uh, Ahsoka content, we haven't seen this version of Ahsoka in in animation in like what two or three years now. Like it wasn't until the end of season seven when we got, you know, the Siege of Mandalore, and you know we we got that kind of closure for her and Rex, and now they're back. It's great. But the, what really shines for me in these the episodes is the Count Dooku stuff. It's just it's incredible. You get you know young Qui Gon, you get older Qui Gon, you, you get, get dead Qui Gon. You know, What's that? You get dead Qui Gon. <laughs> yes, that's a thing that happens. Um, you get Yaddle. You get you get you get Palpatine. Um, there's there's a lot of stuff going on in here that expands so much his character. And really, Dooku never got his fair shot. He never got kind of the development that he deserved in the prequels and even in the Clone Wars. This these three shorts do so much for his character in regards to, you know. Uh, what uh, showing us what we didn't know, some of what we did know, but a lot that we didn't know, um, and further emphasizing what a tragic character he is. That you know, again, mm. going back and as Star Wars loves to do, showing, giving us these really evil characters, these you know, seemingly they're so evil and and whatever else, and going back and say, hey, this person was actually good. They they were a good person. They had they were had the right ideas. 
they just went about them the wrong way. And Dooku is one of the best examples of that. So I love that we're finally getting that that story told. I I think even as short as it is, I think episode four, the Sith Lord, may be <laughs> one of the best pieces of Star Wars content that we have gotten in the last five years. It is. It, without a doubt, it is. Like, and I'm saying that as someone who has loved pretty much everything. I'm still saying that's not a dig at anything of the previous stuff. That is just a compliment to this specific episode. It is so good, answers so many questions about so many different characters, gives context to the Phantom Menace of what's going on there and you know why certain characters aren't there or you know and better yet why dooku does what he does um it's just it's all around a really incredible some great performances um cory burton is great as dooku still after all these years um and he's you know He's surrounded by you got Ian McDermott, Badass Packet, Packet Palpatine. Back um, Palpatine. They brought back Liam Neeson. The OG. The OG. Liam Neeson. We got Ian McDermott in the same episode. Um you got Bryce Dallas Howard as Yaddle. Did not see that coming, but she's great. She was. And and it was it was really funny because um apparently I've I, I haven't done as well um about exploring the Star Wars lore. Um, with my loved ones as as well as I thought I did. Because when Yaddle first showed up in the episode, my wife was like, whoa, Yoda's really young. Look at that hairdo. <laughs> and I was like, that's that's not Yoda. Sorry. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Yeah, you're not. You're not caught up on your on your Yodas. There's baby Yoda. Or. or- or you could you could very easily, depending on the type of fan you're talking about, you could either go, "Oh, look at that! It's Yoda with your long hair," or, mm-hmm. "Oh, look, it's adult Grogu." <laughs> I don't think anybody calls him by his name. How many people, like on podcasts and stuff, have you heard them use the phrase Grogu for his name? Like, I would say 90% of the people that talk about that show and that character still use the term Baby Yoda, even after his name got revealed. Right. See, like, I've totally accepted it. Like, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a purist. Like, he has a name. Use his name. Um, but then, like, literally, just like an hour ago, I'm out with my aunt, and she's like, oh, yeah, there's somebody. I was I was out trick-or-treating, and uh, someone was dressed as Baby Yoda. I'm like. Okay. All right. I know. I know. It's 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 still Baby Yoda to so many people, and it's, it's never going away. Never going away. There's, no. there's freaking meme pages with Baby Yoda memes mm-hmm. on Facebook. It's 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 ingrained in our psyche as a society. Well, it, it's 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 hard to break out of that after you've gone like a season and a half, almost three years of calling him that, and then. And no matter how much they try to like reemphasize the name with like Luke addressing him by his name and stuff, like it just it's it's hard to break away from it. So I I, I get it. I, it doesn't mean I like it, but I get it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I would I would say, um, choices and practice makes perfect. Um. Are are two very very close contenders. Um. For like the runner-up spot for me, 
episodes three and five, the ones that bookend um, the Sith Lord. I think right. I think I think choices shows what Jedi were supposed to be before the war. They they were they were peacekeepers. They were sent to resolve issues. It was very rare for one of them to uh, to be killed in the line of duty, and so the uh, the investigation that goes on is is taken very seriously because it's such a, a rare occurrence. Um, and then practice makes perfect has ties into the events that transpire in season seven and uh, and order sixty six, and so oh yeah, like the connections that that makes. You you only can call that like a, a deep cut because of the events of season seven. Like if you don't have season seven, then that episode doesn't resonate as well. But I was I was actually gonna say, and I was gonna say this in the Star Wars Underworld podcast too, and I forgot. Um, my only like bit of a criticism that I would have of this overall se- season, you ever calling this, is that. If you haven't seen Clone Wars or don't have like a vague understanding of like the plot and stuff like that, mm-hmm. some of these episodes won't make a lot of sense because there is – I don't want to spoil anything, but there's there's an, there's a moment in Practice Makes Perfect towards the end that if you've seen season seven, it, it's real powerful. But then if you haven't, it might kind of pass you by. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I would say Practice Makes Perfect probably does that more than – uh, most of the other episodes, though, because yeah, episode one, Life and Death, you could watch it by itself without ever knowing who Ahsoka is as a character and still appreciate it for like the storytelling that it does in that self-contained episode. And then you would only need to watch the movies to really get the context of the Sith Lord, but I think two and three probably stand on their own a, a decent amount. Um, especially because it's centered on Dooku, who really wasn't um, a focal point of the Clone Wars uh, TV show. And then Episode 6, Resolve, it does have some ties into Episode 3. It does have some ties into the Clone Wars. It actually has some ties into the Kenobi series, if you want to... if you want to go, like, really deep with the uh, with the whole Sixth Brother aspect. But even yeah, then... you're not wrong. Even then, there's still enough on its own that you could probably still put two plus two together. Um, but the, the beauty of this, of this mini series, whatever you want to call it is that as lifelong fans, like you and I are the context that we know exists from shows like rebels, Kenobi, clone wars, etc. Um, that context really, really, enhances a lot from these episodes it just it made them so much better because we know the context they're alluding to and we also know the context that they're trying to provide with uh with the filling of the gaps that they do oh yeah yeah it's it's all around a nice little you know addendum to add to clone wars and also just the entire universe and and do these characters Mm -hmm. that you know have you know, obviously, Soka's gotten so much, but still, you know, her story was was shortchanged. You know, we 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 didn't get to see a whole lot of, especially her transition from the Clone Wars into Rebels and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that was because of the cancellation of the show and everything like that. Um, it's nice to kind of get something that's uh, 
kind of fills in some gaps. And then, as I said, Count Dooku is just, you know, that character. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to watch the movies the same way again after watching these. Oh, yeah. Like, even even watching the the way that he behaves in the second half of episode four um, provides context to the scene that he has with Obi-Wan in Attack of the Clones. Oh, yeah. Like I, I, I showed, I showed that scene to my wife right after we watched uh, the Sith Lord together, and the uh, it's so weird how this this show came out years after Sir Christopher Lee passed away. Okay, it came out years afterwards, but the sense of lament that comes from Dooku's physical character in Episode Two. He kind of looks down at the ground and he sighs a little heavily and he goes, I wish he were still alive. I could use his help right now. Like, that lament, that that brief lament that really only tied into Liam Neeson's death in 1999 now has a deeper meaning because of the lament that you see portrayed in Corey Burton's Dooku in this fourth episode of Tales of the Jedi. Because I always I always read that scene as Dooku being his evil self is like, oh, I I he has like a skewed view of who Qui-Gon was and that you know he was was hoping he would be on the dark side with him and then he could help him out now. And you're kind of reading that and and you you kind of take Obi-Wan's side, Obi-Wan's like, Qui-Gon Jinn would never join you, and you get that. But it, it, you watch Tales of the Jedi, it's like, no, Dooku understood that Qui-Gon grounded him. Qui-Gon was kind of helped him along in regards to helping him see the right way to go yep. sometimes, and, yep. and really balanced him out, and kept him from doing things that he may have regretted if Qui-Gon had stayed around would Dooku have gone fully to the dark side? Probably not. Probably um, not. No, I, I think I think it was Qui-Gon's death that pushed him over the edge. I, I, yeah, it, it definitely seems that way because you watch that moment and it, he wrestles with it. He wrestles with doing what he does and you're seeing a Dooku that is very much conflicted, much you know, much in the same way that Anakin is in, in, in Revenge of Sith. Like, he could go that way, but he also could come back. And if Qui-Gon was there in that moment, who knows? But he doesn't. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot. There's a lot of commentary there. There is. There, there's a lot that gets packed into these six miniature episodes. I don't think any one of them goes longer than 17 or 18 minutes, I think, is like the longest any of them go. But they're pretty, They're even short. Even for Clone Wars episode standards, they're pretty short. Yeah, but I think I think they it, pack a lot in. I think the shortest one is like 13 minutes and the longest one is like 17, 18 minutes. Like they're they're pretty short, but they they pack a punch for sure. Yeah. So, if you yeah. haven't watched it yet, so I hope this little tangent was enough to convince you to go give it a shot. Yeah, don't go it's on Disney Plus. Just go watch it. Um, not that long. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have been on a whole bunch of different apps watching a whole bunch of different stuff because there's I've, so much I've today got these days. I've got Tales of the Jedi that I watched on Disney Plus. 
I've got another show that I've been watching on HBO. I've got another show I've been watching on Paramount. I've got a couple of movies that um, are either on Peacock or that I watched on Peacock. And so, like, media consumption is just all over the place these days. And it's it's crazy. Um, but um, Tales of the Jedi was something that I got a chance to watch, and I, and I binged through those pretty quickly. Um, I also watched the uh, season three finale of Star Trek Lower Decks, and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, not just because there's a particular character that gets a whole lot more development in season three, and it like bursts wide open in the season three finale, oh um, but also because they introduced a new classification of ship, and they're yeah. called the Texas class. The Texas class. They have a Texas class starship now. And even though they're kind of portrayed as villains in the finale, I still feel like they have potential. They are fully automated starships that run completely on AI. Really? Yep. And one of them is called the Alita, which is a city not too far away from where I live, maybe like 45 minutes. One of the other ships is the Dallas. And one of the other ships is the Corpus Christi. And so, so one of the writers on this show is clearly a Texan. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Because the competing classification of ship, the type of ship that you follow in Lower Decks, the, the, the Cerritos, is part of the California class. Oh. And not to give too many spoilers away, but... The finale is basically a California versus Texas type of rivalry, and California ends up winning out. Oh, okay. So, well, I mean, it kind of it kind of makes sense. I mean, like Starfleet is very Earth based, at least in that era. Mm-hmm. So you know, it makes sense they would name their ships much like we on Earth name ships after cities and states mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but I I still appreciated the fact that there was a whole classification of advanced technological ships that were named after things from from my home state. And uh, I don't feel like the project is going to be scrapped. I think it was like an experimental line of ships. Um, And I feel like with a few adjustments and maybe not being run by a corrupt overlord, um, maybe those ships still have a chance at some potential. So um, I liked seeing the Texas class. I liked the character development that they did in the last two or three episodes. Um, There's there's definitely some some really cool things happening in addition to some really funny laughs like. It's still got a comedy base to it, but it's got some things that harken back to the original series, to the next generation. They had a whole episode in season three that was based on Deep Space Nine, which is my favorite series of Star Trek. Oh, that's a that's a that's a good way to get you involved. That was a really <laughs> it's going to get a lot of people in. That on was that a show. really really good in for me was just having. Nana Visitor and Armin Shimmerman reprise their roles in animated form as Kira and Quark in that DS9-centric episode. It was so fun. It was like a big old nostalgia trip. And it was just... Ah! 
It was really good. I think season three is probably the best season they've produced um, for multiple reasons, and I'm really excited for season four. That's really cool. Um, I'm to check that out. It, it's pretty funny. It's like Star Trek meets Rick and Morty. So <laughs> if if you if you like the zaniness and and weirdness and like self parody nature of Rick and Morty um, with some uh, Star Trek references and some some Star Trek type characters kind of thrown in there. Uh, it can it can be a pretty fun ride, and like I said, I feel like it's gotten better as time goes on. So it's uh it's been it's been fun to watch. That's really cool. Something that was not fun to watch, however, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna like go back and forth. Be like, this was good. This was not good. This was really good. This was not so good. Hopefully, I'll find a way to end it on a high note. But um, I am really, really, really glad that I did not waste any of my energy or time or money on the movie Beast. (laughs) It's on Peacock. And if you're willing to watch, you know, two or three minutes of commercials off the top, then you get to watch the movie uninterrupted in its entirety um, after that. And that's what I did. I remember seeing trailers for it. I remember seeing some commercials for it. I remember uh, Idris Elba being in it, and that kind of made me a little bit excited. I was fresh off of his portrayal um, in The Suicide Squad, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. It lost me when one of the teenage daughters was literally wearing a Jurassic Park tank top. Oh, boy. That's, like, a, li- that's a little on the nose. If, if that isn't on the nose, I don't know what the hell is. And it just it went downhill from there. Like, I started recognizing certain elemental tropes that were popping up. I started recognizing who was probably going to live and who was probably going to die. I started seeing like thematic elements that were reminiscent of the original Jurassic Park. And this movie was on a way smaller budget. So it was like they weren't they weren't really trying. You could see the corners that they were cutting and you could see what they were trying to emulate. But the problem is they took themselves too seriously. If it was a if it was a B level, D level movie like Zombies then I could probably laugh at it and enjoy laughing at it. I laughed at this movie even though this movie wasn't laughing at itself. And and that's what was so sad about it. Was it 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 borrowed too much from Jurassic Park. It was it had way too many like references and and thematic elements that were too similar to it. And the ending was how I expected it. To, to end like there weren't any surprises there weren't any twists so all in all i i don't really understand why this movie was made and i i don't really get what it was trying to accomplish that jurassic park didn't already accomplish so it, it's probably the worst movie of 2022 that i've seen that's, and I and I've watched I've watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot on Netflix. So if if I'm putting Beast lower than that, that's that's a very low rating. 
That is that is quite unimpressive. So I would not recommend wasting your time with it. But here's the deal. I've got AMC A-List. Theoretically, I could have gotten like a quote-unquote free ticket with my AMC subscription. And even then, that would have been a waste of my money. <laughs> that's that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> it's it just, to that. Oh, my gosh. Now, I did go and see Halloween Ends in theaters because I wanted to be able to talk about it with my buddy Sean over at Phantom Empire. Halloween is like the biggest franchise over on their YouTube channel. I wanted to get in on the ground level to be able to see and hear what they were talking about so I wouldn't be spoiled, yada, yada. Um, I went and saw it the Thursday night that it opened because I had a football game that Friday. I was like, I can't go Friday. We're going to be busy Saturday. I guess we have to go on Thursday. So I ended up seeing it on very opening night. And the stance that I take and the stance that I'm going to stand by is that it's a decent movie if it doesn't tie into anything else. Okay. Like, on its own, it's probably, like, I would say a 6 out of 10. Like, it's not a bad movie. It has a few tropes. It has a few weird storytelling elements that I probably wouldn't have done or would have done differently. But it's overall not a bad film. Probably a six, six and a half. However, it is a awful Halloween movie. <laughs> it is completely disrespectful to the history that goes along with the name Michael Myers. That That is a name that has been around, I want to say, since the 70s. And... There have been so many movies that have been made with Michael Myers as the focal point. And in Halloween Ends, he's barely an extra. Like, he he hardly has any screen time. And the screen time that he does, he's almost like a co-star alongside another character. And so, if the movie was about that other character... And and they they actually really focused on on this this guy in a standalone movie, it probably would have been like a decent spooky film, but because it's supposed to tie into the stuff that happened in Halloween Kills, because it's supposed to round out a trilogy, because it's supposed to be about Michael Myers, there's a lot of reasons to not enjoy this movie if you're a Halloween fan. If you're a movie fan, decent. If you're a Halloween fan, it's not as good. Hmm. That's interesting. I've heard a lot of mixed opinions about that one. I've heard a lot of just all over the place and wasn't sure what to make of it. And uh, yeah, that make that makes sense what you're saying. If if you don't have any context from the franchise, like I'm assuming you haven't seen any of the other Halloween films, right? No. I I I, I guessed as much, and that's fine. <laughs> It's it's not exactly my cup of tea either, but I I like to be a part of the conversation, and so I go watch it so I can be a part of the conversation. Um, but if you were to watch it, like say you just got on Peacock randomly now that it's up there, and you didn't watch any of the other Halloween films before it, I think you'd have a decent opinion of it. But if you watched the first two movies and then you did this one as part of a trilogy... I think you'd get where I was coming from. Makes sense. And the, yeah, it's, it's just a, I mean, it's an odd, 
it's an odd movie, an odd franchise anyway, just because it's, uh, you know, they had a bunch of movies and they're like, oh, none of those exist except the first one. And then we're going to redo, we're going to do a two, three, you know, true sequels. And yeah, it's, uh, as someone who hasn't seen any of them, it's kind of intimidating to like, okay, where do you actually start and stuff like that. Um, but maybe one day I'll go back through and I will give my thoughts. If there's if there's any anything that could get me to watch a bunch of movies that I wouldn't normally watch by myself, it, it's IPC. <laughs> well, I don't even know if this is like the type of content that we would usually talk about on IPC because usually we don't talk about like rated R stuff. That may be like a special RIPC episode we'd have to do, which so. um, I, I still need to figure out how to actually revive that show. I've got a t-shirt for it. I wore my RIPC t-shirt on um, the night before Halloween when we went to Fright Fest at Six Flags because um, it's the only like spooky thing that I've got. You know, the skull logo that, that Jake created for us it's probably like the only spooky thing that I've got. And so I I wore that shirt because it was about the only spooky apparel that I've got. So need to need to do something about RAPC. Hopefully um bringing it up and and maybe the the people who listen to this will will want to want to hear more R-rated discussions so that we can justify bringing it back at some point. Yeah, suggest stuff to us that you think we wouldn't watch, but we might like. Because I've been surprised by things. I, there, there's stuff that I wouldn't have necessarily watched on my own that I ended up liking after mm-hmm. doing this show. So who knows? I was I was pleasantly surprised by V for Vendetta, and mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised by The Shape of Water. I didn't think I was going to like there that you. movie, and then I ended up really liking it. So you never know. You never know. Um, I'm not going to take too long to talk about this last thing I've been watching because I basically talk about it completely and entirely on another podcast. Um, and I got complaints for my tangents, uh, about it on our last episode when I had just started watching it. So I'm not going to say as much about this one, but House of the Dragon. I'm sorry. Do people actually like, do that's a complaint do people talk too much on a podcast where you're supposed to talk like that? Guys, do you know what cup podcasts are about? Well, they're supposed to be about things that m- maybe more than one person is interested in. And uh, apparently I spent too much time talking about that subject that was of no interest to some of our listeners. So um, sorry, guys. That's just what I've been watching. That's one of the segments. What are you watching? Well, guess what? I've been watching Game of Thrones. So, um, there's a fast forward button there. Come on. Yeah, there is. There is. Um, but House of the Dragon is a really, really solid show. Uh, I went on the uh, Game of Thrones podcast that I co host with Sean called House of the Empire. And we were talking about how do we rank this season compared to how we ranked all of the previous eight seasons of the original Game of Thrones. And House of the Dragon cracked the top five for me. At the five spot, um, I, I, I still have several seasons of the OG Game of Thrones that I enjoyed more, but House of the Dragon was a very pleasant surprise, and it cracked the top five at my f- number five favorite season of Game of Thrones content that I've seen. Um, the, the set pieces are really, really good. The uh, shot selection is really, really good. 
the storytelling is really compelling, and the acting is phenomenal. Matt Smith crushes it in this show. Patty Considine does an amazing job as the king, and his last two episodes uh, towards the tail end of the season are just some of the most gripping and compelling character storylines that I have ever seen in television, period. It's got some great action sequences. It's got a lot of intensity, a lot of build-up. There's just so many different things to appreciate from this show. And the sexy scenes are kept to a relative minimum. You know, there there's probably like two that happen in one episode and then one that happens in another episode. I think in total of the ten episodes, there's only like four of those intimate type of scenes that you would want to fast forward through. Um, but other than that, it's really about the characters. It's really about the story. It's really about the, the politics of who's going to ascend the throne and why. And the the dividing of lines and the choosing of sides and who's going to declare for whom when the Civil War finally breaks out. And it's just, it's really, really interesting to watch unfold. Because the stories of this Civil War in the books are told from what have been described as unreliable sources. So the show is actually providing better context than what the books provide. And it's been interesting to watch all of that unfold. That's really interesting. I've heard so many good things about House of Dragons. So many. I I totally recommend it, dude. Like I know Game of Thrones isn't exactly your thing. Um, and I know that the first episode kind of freaked you out. I, I appreciate that you gave it a shot though. And after having seen the entire season, I can almost guarantee that you will never see another scene like what you saw in the first episode. Like they, they just, they just don't, they don't do that. A lot of it is dialogue driven. A lot of it is politics driven. A lot of it is character and story driven. And from what you told me earlier, it sounds like Andor is doing a lot of the same thing. So if there was ever a show to introduce you to Westeros and possibly even get you interested in any Game of Thrones type content, I would actually think House of the Dragon season one might be it for you. Yeah, that's another thing about Andor that pushes it into the direction of uh, Game of Thrones. There is more cursing. There is more, I mean, some more violence, maybe, and there is an implied sex scene. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty- it's a bit. It's a it's a bit more a uh, bit more Thrones. Okay, I I can I can work with that. I can, I can, I can, I can kind of vibe with that. It makes me a little more excited to to watch it because I, I have seen a couple of quotes that get posted on the Star Wars Underworld, and I have seen um, a couple. I'm of... sorry if I've spoiled you on anything. I don't, I don't feel like you have because I don't really know a lot of these characters. Like aside from maybe the occasional quote of the day from Mon Mothma, I don't really know any of the characters. I don't know right. the the context of the situations or the stakes that they're in or anything like that. So it hasn't really spoiled too, too much for me, but the depth of the quotes and how well written they are gives me hope that I'm going to get some of those game of Thrones vibes that you're describing from it. I have, 
I've spent more time transcribing Star Wars quotes than I ever have in my life doing this show. It's crazy. Hmm. Well, I think that's just a testament to how well written it is. And also because I only have so much time and also some quotes don't work well by themselves. You need the whole thing. And yeah. I don't want to waste anything. So I'm just like, I'm going to do the whole scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, man. We've been Ooh. we've been we've been doing we've been doing this podcast for an hour and a half and all we've done is talk about what we've been watching. <laughs> well, it's a lot, especially <laughs> when we haven't talked in like a month or two. Yeah, we got to get ourselves caught up a little bit, dude, and uh truth truthfully, I'm I'm excited to watch Andor and I I told I told Edna about Werewolf by Night and now I think we're going to end up watching it before bed. So Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'm, I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on that. I, yeah, yeah. I may have to send you a message uh, after the show, or shoot you one in the morning, and be like, "Damn you for recommending that! I had nightmares all night." I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Look, if I didn't turn it off halfway through, then it's not that scary. All right. Okay. I, I didn't. I didn't throw the remote at the TV. Okay, it wasn't that bad. Okay. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Well, on the topic of Marvel, um, have you seen the Quantumania trailer? I did. I I really liked it. It's uh, oh. I I'm a big fan of the Ant Man franchise going way back. You know, back when people were like, uh, Ant Man movies just okay, whatever. I was like, I I think this is really good. I think it's it's very inventive. And, you know, very different for the MCU formula. Um, I like Ant-Man and the Wasp a lot, too. Again, it wasn't like the most, you know, out there movie, but it was a continuation of the first one. And I, I really liked it. And it set up a lot of stuff that was happening in future films. This one feels completely different. Um, and yeah. it's not just because you have freaking Bill Murray in it, okay? Um, <laughs> it's it's completely different feel. It's much darker, um, it feels like there's bigger stakes. It's not yes. just kind of this goofy romp. It's not, you know, um, you know, it's not Michael Pena, you know, doing his thing anymore. I, I miss him in the trailer. I kind of hope he's in the movie, but he's probably not. Um, but you know, it's it's a lot different. It's it's big stakes. It's very very, um, you know, obviously you got Kang and and they're setting up some big stuff for the future Avengers movies and, you know. It really feels like, oh my gosh, could this be could this be the end of of the journey? Could this be the end of of Ant Man? You know, could some people die in this? I mean, I don't know, but uh, it's not as lighthearted as the previous films, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I, when you mentioned stakes, that was the thing that really stood out to me. Was you end up in the quantum realm, you you encounter Kang, and you have to make a decision: do you? Um, help him in order to secure your release, or do you sacrifice yourself uh, in order to protect your realm? Like, those are huge stakes compared to some of the stuff that you have faced in previous Ant-Man films. And so, I I like that it's taking a tonal shift. I think it's a sign of growth. I think it's a sign of maturity. I think it's also a sign, too, that with all of the comedically driven stories that we have had recently uh, in the MCU, particularly things like maybe Ms. Marvel or She-Hulk. We've got other Marvel-type characters that can provide that 
comic relief that we don't really need Ant-Man movies to provide it anymore. And since, you know, we're not getting Iron Man really anymore and we're going to be a while before we see another Captain America movie, that kind of thing, I I think taking an established character like Ant-Man and giving him a tonal shift is appropriate at this stage of the game. And so I'm actually really looking forward to seeing how this plays out because we haven't seen Kang since Loki season one. And he's going to be a very big player in the next couple of phases of films. And to, to see his influence in, in this movie is going to be kind of an establishing presence and kind of a tone setter moving forward. Yeah. Cause, and there's a, there's a line in this trailer. This is a little bit of a spoiler. So if you don't want to know anything, but I think if you've seen the trailer, you should know what this is going. But uh, there's a line that wasn't included in this trailer, but was in the Comic-Con trailers where Kang is talking to to Scott and he's like, have I killed you before? And I'm like, oh, this is this is really good. This is exactly kind of what I wanted. And, and it really and there's a there's some scenes where. Paul Rudd is freaking beat up, like beat to a bloody pulp. Like, and yeah. you're like, oh my gosh, like, or, you know, is this, you know, could this be, you know, I wouldn't put it past him to like kill some people. Um, but it also, it could be, you know, we're dealing with time travel, we're dealing with quantum realm. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they may do some shenanigans where, oh my gosh, Ant-Man died, but then he, he didn't, he came back. But uh, I, uh, I, I hope there's some stakes. I hope that they are willing to, do some stuff to maybe mature the franchise a little bit more to give it a little bit more of an edge to it. Um, and also right. set up for the future of the overall Marvel universe, which is going into the Kang dynasty. Yep. Yep. This, this could be one of those big intersection type movies that can help drive the franchise forward. So, uh, it'll yeah. be it'll be interesting to see for sure. Oh yeah. Okay, I've got one other thing to talk about, and it's actually going to tie into um, our top five discussion for uh, for the evening. And I don't know how much time you're going to want to take on that because I know we were already well past what we said we were going to well, do. Well, I mean, I, I don't. I know you probably don't have all night. I'll probably stay up for Andor tonight, which is like uh, uh it's like two and a half hours away. <laughs> so, uh, no, I'm not. Like, I've got all night. I'm not um, staying up for I, two and a half I know hours. You're not staying up that late. I am not staying up for two and a half hours, sir. I have to get up when the rooster crows. Um, <laughs> but Netflix has officially renewed The Witcher for season four. Right. And at the same time, they announced that Henry Cavill will not be reprising his role. So he has filmed three seasons worth of content because we've only got two seasons released on Netflix right now. But right. he has, he has filmed the third season, but he is not going to be filming the fourth season. And they have replaced him with Liam Hemsworth to play Geralt of Rivia for season four and beyond. And A... I don't think Liam Hemsworth looks a bit like Henry Cavill. So this is going to be, has to be some, like some good ass makeup work that's done or some kind of explanation that witchers can change form or change shape or something. And this is just how Geralt looks now, but it's also 
very, very telling that, you know, much like the uh, the checkbook that's being written out to um, to Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine, we've got a pretty big checkbook being written to Henry Cavill if it's drawing him away from being in The Witcher. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's funny. All due respect to Liam Hemsworth, the way some of these headlines were, were written... It sounded like an April Fool's joke. <laughs> yeah, it's like you replace yeah. Henry Cavill with Liam Hemsworth. That just doesn't like Liam Hemsworth. Hemsworth's a good actor, but he I don't he doesn't seem like the same type as Henry Cavill. So you know, picking him to do it, I don't know. It's weird. Um, we'll see. Obviously, they have a plan, but they also don't have a lot of choice because Henry Cavill's going to be busy with some stuff and He's, things yeah. um, over in another universe. So, um, yeah, you know, um, what, what can they do? Um, they want to continue going on with that series, but uh, Henry Cavill clearly wants to move back to something that's very important to him. And you know what? Um, I can say this very easily um, since I really never watched The Witcher, but um, it's good to have Henry Cavill back as Superman. So yes, look, we just some sacrifices had to be made, but uh, hey, we we got him. I'm looking at Hemsworth's acting profile on IMDb. He was he was in the Hunger Games. Right. That that's pretty much it. He was Gale in the Hunger Games. And then he was also in uh, one episode of The Muppets. He was in one episode of a TV show called Workaholics on Comedy Central. He was on an episode of Saturday Night Live. He was in, um, what was it, Independence Day Resurgence, the 2016 Independence film. Other than that, the dude doesn't have all that much of a profile. It's funny, like even like let's let's switch it to his brother. Let's say, oh, they're gonna they're gonna put Chris Hemsworth into the Geralt role. I'm still like, I don't know about that. I don't I don't see Henry Cavill and even Chris Hemsworth on the same playing playing field. Both incredible actors, both can really do it, but you know, it is it's it's an odd choice. And I'm not saying I don't know. Like I said, I haven't really seen the show. I've seen clips and stuff like that. I'm vaguely familiar with kind of the premise and and, and his behavior, but um, I don't know who I would pick. But Liam Liam Hemsworth, you know, is is an odd choice. That's uh, curious to see how they're gonna do this. You know, I just have like, will they? Are they just gonna James Bond this and just go? Nobody knows this. We're just gonna change actors. Uh, we're gonna do a Darren from bewitched thing where we're just going to not mention it, just going to continue on. Mm-hmm. Or is it going to be something that they actually fit in the story like Dr. Who or something? I don't know. I I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the franchise to be able to say it with certainty. Maybe witchers can take sh- different forms or different shapes, or maybe the spirit of a witcher can take over another body or something. I, I truly don't know. So we shall see. We'll we'll have to find out. But as you mentioned, Henry Cavill's return as Superman was 
the whole reason for our top five prompt. And after we give our shout outs where those shout outs are due, um, we're gonna we're gonna get into our, our top five segment, which is top five post credits scenes. Now I also threw in the addendum to allow for mid credits scenes, um, just to kind of open the book a little bit and because it was requested by a couple of different people just to clarify and I was like, Yeah, sure, whatever. We'll we'll go ahead and do mid credit scenes as well because there are some really good and really cute ones. Uh, that happen in the middle of the credits and not just the ones that happen after all the credits roll. So that is going to be our segment um, right after the break. And uh, Henry Cavill kind of plays a big role in the reason why we even chose that in the first place. Yeah, true. Okay, so when it comes to Patreon, uh, I just feel like I owe our patrons an apology <laughs> personally because I keep meaning to adjust the tiers and I don't. And I keep meaning to um, put out a little more content or be a little more engaging on social media, and then I don't do it. I sincerely hope that these guys don't feel like their money is being wasted um, because it is still helping pay for our platform. It is still going towards uh, paying for the Mixler page, which is where we're broadcasting from. Um, those things are all still very much in effect. Um, but we do want to give special thanks to um, Joey Mays, and Jesse Bennett for their support of the show. They are both at the shout-out friend level or above, and neither of them sent us top fives tonight, but usually if you do, then you get, like, top billing to the top five uh, prompts. So if you send something in, even if five, six, seven, ten other people submitted stuff, you get put up at the top of the list anyways. So that is one of the benefits of doing it. Um, another benefit is just having a little bit more personalized access to us as hosts. Our schedules are super busy, but we try to find ways to keep engaged with our patrons to let them know about stuff in advance and give them ideas and take their ideas as well. Um, so that's why we try to share our show notes with them when we can. Um, that's why they have a, a special separate group that we will post things to just for them. And then if they're available, I know Joey hasn't been available because of his, um, football schedule. I mean, I've barely been available because of my football schedule, so I get it. Um, but whenever the stars do align, um, we try to provide opportunities for you to be on the show as well. So Indeed. you can you can send like a Venmo tip to the username Zach the Voice if you would rather just do a little bit here. I promise I will get it into the IPC fund. I'm not going to keep it for myself. Um, but if you wanted to just do a tip instead of doing something month to month, you could do that. Or you can try to negotiate <laughs> on the Patreon page and just be like hey uh you said this was going to happen every two weeks and you're only doing stuff every month right now so uh do i get do i get to sign up at a lower level and still get all these benefits long and short of it maybe it's it's open to negotiation but be sure to go hit us up at patreon.com slash ipc podcast for all the details and then follow us on social media if you're looking for any more details and you want to hash out some patron logistics with us. Deep. Yep. I think 
Jesse, did he adjust his rating recently where we're not talking about question possible answer as much or? Yeah, we are. We're taking a break from that. Okay. He does have a pretty cool show and I've been a guest on it before, but I'm not going to like go super in depth about it. I mean, I, I talked about my own podcast and obviously you're, you're doing stuff over at Culture Slate. So we've, we've got plenty of stuff to plug. But if you need one more podcast to listen to, go check out the one that explores hypothetical scenario, scenarios over at uh, Question Possible Answer. Okay. True, true, true. Top five. We have been trying to do top five non-franchise films for a while now. And I just have had a hard time getting five of them put together into a list. Because every time I think of one, I'm like, ah, oh, damn it, that one's actually part of a franchise. So that list has been a little bit harder to do, and we want to do our due diligence um, with, uh, with that prompt so that you guys have plenty of time to actually submit something. Um, but I was writing the old Peace Bros chat that we've still got um, that's... You and me, Ben, plus Jake, who is super busy right now. Like, we thought we're busy. That dude literally had to, like, step away from podcasting, period, so that he could, I don't know, go be a dad or something. Like, Yeah, the nerve of some people. I know, right? Why do you have to go and have kids with his wife? Like, what is that even? Ridiculous. But I talked about how I had seen the post credit scene from Black Adam because it leaked on TikTok. And even though I haven't seen the movie, I've seen the post credit scene. And I said, this is easily a top five post credit scene of all time, at least for me. And that made me think, huh, what are... The, the rest of the five. What would be my top five post credit scenes? And next thing I knew, I had made 14. <laughs> I made a list of 14, and I kind of hated myself because a lot of them started as things from the MCU, like Thanos grabbing the gauntlet and saying, fine, I'll do it myself. That's where the prompt came from. That was the whole... That plus Black Adam was like the whole thing for why I made this top five prompt in the first place. And then that one from Age of Ultron didn't even make it into my five because so many other great ones ended up popping up into mind. And so, like, there's there's so many to choose from that, I, I'll be honest, dude, I had to throw in an honorable mention as well. So there's technically six, but the, the sixth I... one... I ended up with two honorable mentions. Oh man. Oh man. See there's there's so many so many good things. And let me let me tell you about some of the ones that that didn't make it. Um like Howard forgetting to get his wife a gift at the end of Jingle All the Way. Oh wow. Like the way his eyes go wide and the camera zooms in on his panicked face on Christmas morning is hilarious. Wait a minute. I don't think I saw that. We we watched Jingle All the Way not too long ago. I think I'd maybe seen it back when I was a kid, but we rewatched it and I don't I don't think I caught that one. I'm mad now. 
it's it's super funny. Um, meeting the Maximoff twins from Winter Soldier didn't make the cut Classic. for me. Classic though. Black Manta being alive and out for revenge at the end of Aquaman. I was so thrilled that he was still alive. I was I was super ready to see what happened next, and I'm still waiting apparently. Um, Professor Kirk telling a very, very young Lucy Pevensey that she will probably get to see Narnia again when she least expects it. In the very first Chronicles of Narnia movie, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, wow. It's heartwarming, and, it, and, it's, and it's great, uh, but it didn't make the top five. So that's just a, that's just a, a few examples of ones that are, are so fun and, and came to mind so quickly, but didn't make it in. So... Uh, ben, why don't you go ahead with your honorable mentions, and then I'll toss in my one honorable mention at the end, and we'll just go back and forth, five, four, three, two, one. And we do have some ones from the Peacekeeper uh, Peace Hangout. Um, when yeah, we, we did. Those? We did. We submitted the prompt on the Facebook page, um, but didn't really get anything from the Facebook page, but we did get a few um in the in the piece hangout i apologize i almost forgot about those people no no you're fine um we we just got a couple we could run through them really quick yeah cuz like um, jake's isn't even a list jake just says all of the post credit scenes that lead <laughs> up to the avengers thanks jake that's a that's a great that's really helpful that's damon a, that's a great list of 5 jake i'm pretty Jacob. sure that's more than 5 but um, whatever i've got uh i've got uh shinders up here Right in front of me. If you want to run through it really quick, yeah, you can you can go through that one, and I'll go through uh, Robbins if you want. Okay, cool. All right, here we go with Steven Schindler's list. He says, "Quote, hey guys, I should preface this by saying I haven't seen Black Adam, though I do have an idea of what happens." Same, Steven. Same. Uh, regardless, I feel like like I don't know how I feel old enough to feel enough to consider including it. Here are my top five mid or post credit scenes uh number five shazam some credit scenes play it safe but with shazam they went all out with a comic book absurdity by teasing mr mind i remember thinking to myself i don't know what this means and i love it i don't know if it was a post credit scene but they all they also teased superman at the end of that movie um i love i love shazam it's a good movie um Number four, uh, Curse of Chucky. This one was pretty fan servicey, but it was still so satisfying to see a returning character and how their life has turned out. This franchise is great at continuing all the story threads. Um, uh, number three, Spider-Man: Far From Home. I was the only one in my theater who cheered seeing J.K. Simmons playing J. Jonah Jameson once again. I think I literally was. I w- again, I was in the same boat of. Uh, I go, yes, why is no one else cheering about this? Um, uh, number two, he says, Deadpool 2, Deadpool's time travel shenanigans are hilarious. Even He even tries revising X-Men Origins Wolverine. I saw Deadpool 2 recently. I don't remember, I don't remember that one. I have to go revisit that one. Uh, and he says, uh, number one, 22 Jump Street. The montage of 20 or so, however many Jump Street sequels is so meta, complete with a recast for one of them. An animated series, a sequel set in, the, in the space. Peak hilarity. End quote for Steven. That's a great list. It is a great list. And you know what? I actually forgot that I got a list on Instagram from uh, Danny Dukes. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to read off his list because I've got it popped up here and then maybe you could round us out with Robbins because it's accessible Absolutely. on Facebook. 
Um, he says, so stoked on another top five episode. It'll be great to hear from you guys again. He he dropped off from the chat, and then I think he came back. So I, th- I think Danny's actually with us right now, which is cool, because it's cool. super late right now for us, and it's even more late out there for him. So... Man, um, Danny is a true believer here. He he's is. Staying with us. He's, really he's, like. he's, he's a real one. He's the real MVP. Um, and then he makes a joke uh, right before going into his five. He goes, in no particular order, dot, 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 just kidding, Ben. <laughs> oh, Danny, I thought we were friends. <laughs> um, Don't scare me like that. He, he says at number five, it's the uh, credit scene from Curse of the Black Pearl. I actually have quite forgotten what that was off the top of my head, and so I kind of want to go back and watch Curse of the Black Pearl now. At I remember f- the one? What, was it a post-credit scene where what's his name comes back in the second one? Mm, or was that no, it was it was here? right before you cut to credits. Ah, yeah, there you go. Barbosa's return <laughs> is like right before you cut to credits. So there you go. Maybe I just haven't watched the Curse of the Black Pearl. Was that the monkey? Was that the monkey shows up? He's got. He's like got the. He's got the gold again. Maybe. I think he steals the gold and it curses him. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I think. I forgot maybe... that movie had a post-credit scene. Yeah. You're same. Taking me back. Same. Um, at number four, he's got Napoleon Dynamite. At number three, uh, Baby Groot from Guardians One. That is a really mm-hmm. cute scene. Like, see what I mean by cute? Like, there are there are scenes like that that are cute. There's there's scenes like the one with Howard the Duck at the very end of Guardians of the Galaxy that is that is also pretty cute. Um, and then Guardians Two has like five different post credits. Yeah, yeah. At number two, we've got X Men: The Last Stand. Fun fact: I've never watched that movie. I've watched X Men and X Two, but I don't think I've ever watched The Last Stand. Never got around to it. Really? I thought we discussed that one on this show. Maybe we did. Maybe you watched it and you don't remember it. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's how forgettable it was, or maybe I just BSed my way through it. See, that that whole discussion, we only discussed the first three, I'm pretty sure. And then I went and I watched all the rest of them. Mm. So I'm caught up on X-Men. Yeah, I, I think I am caught up on all the rest of them, unfortunately. Like, the only really good one is Logan, I feel like. The but... only other option is that... Uh, you didn't watch the X-Men Last Stand, but we did talk about it, and you lied your way through it. Yes, that's what episode. I said. That, that's, what, that's what I said just a moment ago, was maybe we did have the discussion, and I just BS my way through the whole thing. Because <laughs> that sounds like something I would do. I, I wouldn't put it past you, to be honest. X-Men The Last Stand at number two for Danny, and then at number one, Iron Man 2008. Young Dan was super hyped to hear about the Avengers Initiative. Yeah, that was that's classic, classic. That's a mood. That's a mood for sure. Thanks for sending in those five, man. Really appreciate it. Great list. Okay, uh, I think it's uh, it's Robin's list, and then we're on to our own. Yeah. Yeah, let's uh, let's go with Robin's really quick. We got Robin Glader who says uh, number five, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. One that I forgot again. Uh, uh, Spider-Man 2099 traveling into the 60s Spider-Man cartoon and doing the pointing meme. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Uh, number four, Guardians of the Galaxy, Baby Groot dancing. Uh, number three, Toy Story 2 bloopers. The Toy Story 2 mid credit scenes. Oh, my God. I forgot all about that. Um, uh, uh, two, Rat Race, the characters performing All-Star with Smash Mouth. I swear I was like 10 
when I saw a rat race. I have no recollection of that, um, even if I saw that. So that's that goes way back. Um, and then number one, Johnny English Reborn, Johnny Cooking set to In the Hall of the Mountain King. That's ones I'm not caught up on at all, but that sounds amazing because how can you not love it? Uh, I don't. I don't think I've seen any Johnny English. It's funny. It's the type of movie that, like, okay, that looks funny. I I would love that, but uh, but yeah, it's it's not. Uh... You know, there's just some franchises that end up making their way past me. And that one, unfortunately, is one. One of the ones that I saw on um, certain articles while I was doing a little research just to confirm that I hadn't forgotten any of them was um, there's a there's a mid or post credit scene that happens in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, so I can't put it on my list because I don't I don't know what the credit scene is. I have heard so many good things about that movie. But I never got around to uh, to watching it. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, can I go ahead and get into my honorable mentions really quick? Yeah, by all means, let's do it. So, um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is one of my honorable mentions. <laughs> oh, of all things, that's <laughs> ironic. Do you, are you? I don't want to spoil it now that you haven't seen it. Um, I mean, for anybody has has seen it, it's it's a classic one. It's probably one of the classic post credit scenes. I think it'll it'll be a while before I get around to seeing it. Just based it's, on it's not much to it. If you've seen Deadpool, things Deadpool two or Deadpool one, it's basically the same thing. They're parodying that. It's been parodied a lot. Basically, just Ferris. He talks to the. I saw the movie recently, so uh, for the first time ever. Um, Ferris talks to the camera. He's like breaks the fourth wall all the time. So he's just like he just like comes out and goes like, "You're still here. What are you doing? Go home." Oh, like Deadpool does in 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 his robe. I think I think Deadpool's like in in like he's in his Deadpool costume, but then he's also got like a bathrobe or something. He's got the Ferris Bueller kind of costume going on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. It was um, just it was just own, Ferris who did it first. Only, yeah. Um, my only other one is one that again just got mentioned a few minutes ago. Is the uh, I think somebody mentioned it. Um, the shawarma scene at the end of Avengers One. Oh, okay. That scene, I love it because it's obviously you had the Thanos scene and stuff like that. There was some more consequential scenes, but I love. I think some of my favorite ones are the ones that are not consequential, just like just slice of life scenes, um, and you know they're just like completely just for the joke or whatever else. And that was just kind of, it kind of set the tone for like, Hey, some post credit scenes are going to be teasing something. Sometimes you're going to watch the end, of the end of the credits to see something what's coming next. And then sometimes it'll just be captain America, you know, uh, saying, Oh, you, you waited all this time for nothing. <laughs> like in Spider-Man homecoming, yep. um, which is another one of my favorites. Um, yep. but, uh, I also love the, I love the story behind that scene, the shawarma scene where mm-hmm. it was like, it wasn't in the original release. Like they, they, they filmed it like right as the premiere was coming out. And so it was put in like really late in the game. Yeah. There were, there were a lot of those slice of life ones that I considered just for variety's sake. But I think 
because I ended up going outside of the MCU so much, it was hard to take a slice of life post credit scene and have it take the place of like another scene that I felt was important to another franchise. Like I felt like I was taking away from that franchise by doing like a, a, a slice of life, if that makes sense. Ah, totally. So yeah, it was hard for me to get away from the MCU. I did get away in a few instances, like one I just mentioned, but uh, it's hard because there's so many good MCU ones. So I have two MCU ones in my top five. Okay. And they're in my top two. But then everything else is from different franchises. To count the ones that I have because I think I have more. I have... <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to give it away, but yeah, I got more. Okay, that's fine. Well, my honorable mention is is only getting an honorable mention because I straight up do not know this person's name, like this character's name. I don't even know if he has a name, but it's the mid credit scene that happens um, when Will's neighbor, who is a pilot, gets a nosebleed at the airport at the end of Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Oh my gosh, I forgot all about this one. That one basically opens the floodgates for the whole rest of the franchise. The and implication, then there's the map at the end where yes. it starts spreading. It's so yes. good. Where you see that that one pilot's nosebleed ends up affecting the whole rest of the damn world in this universe. Like, he's so gross about it. Like he's not like he's just wiping his nose and it's just going everywhere. And oh god, it's, it's awful, but great. Yeah, it's it's crazy how much that one little thirty seconds ends up shaping the whole rest of 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 the of the three movies. And now it's going to be a fourth movie because apparently they're. They're not done with that franchise. They're not done milking it yet, but Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. I didn't I didn't know that that was even a possibility, but money talks, I suppose. But yeah, I don't I don't know the name of the neighbor. I just know that he gets a nosebleed, and so that that is why it only gets honorable mention. Cool. Very very cool. Okay. All right. Um, we ready to get into the 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 meat and potatoes? Call back to the beginning of the show. It's funny that you're saying meat and potatoes. I had a pot roast for dinner tonight, and it was <laughs> delicious. But that's oh, those are good. That, that that's really probably good. best saved for uh, the the food portion of the conversation tonight, which we probably need to get to sooner rather than later. It's already after midnight. Gosh dang it! Wow. My God. Um, my number five is going to be another one that's that's kind of out there. Um, it's, it's in a similar vein to the bloopers of Toy Story 2 that Robin submitted. Um, my number five, uh, mid slash post credit scene is the full on production that we get during Monsters, Inc. Put that thing back where it came from or so help me. (laughs) The musical. (laughs) They, they they rehearsed it during the movie, and then it actually turned into a real thing that helped recap the story of Boo's adventure in the Monster Universe. There are, you know, the, those people from the CDA that actually come and serve as ushers. You get to see Mike's mom. 
um, basically like so many different elements that took place in the movie get referenced all over again in that sequence and it helps grow the world a little bit and uh, lets you see that Mike finally gets to have his day which was really cool to see that's so cool I forgot about that one yeah all right what do have you do you have a number five or are you still compiling your list over there I am I'm getting there okay I think I've got it I think I've got it I think I got the final version finally I was up I was I was updating it as of about five seconds ago mm-hmm yeah I could tell right. by the hesitation on the other end of the line I'm I like know, come on dude very, we gotta I'm do very, this uh, I know I know I've had all night um and I've got to, I've got to go with what I've got here and my number five is one that is from the MCU it's one of the most recent ones um I have a soft spot for this one because it is the current uh, name of my meme group that has been going strong for many years now um and it instantly became a meme and it's great um it's from the uh, end of the first she-hulk episode um and it's uh bruce and jennifer mm-hmm. and they're talking about captain america and uh bruce let something slip he finally reveals a a, a unique a little uh, nugget of information about uh, captain america's past and then uh she-hulk herself lets out the iconic line captain america fuck and, uh, <laughs> obviously doesn't finish the line because it's still a pg-13 i guess there's they're allowed one f-bomb it's it's surprising they didn't get away with an f-bomb in that show because look at everything else that happened right but uh a classic classic post-credit scene one of my favorites of the overall you know i i i didn't include any from the television stuff i i did rather like some of the ones that they used in uh in wandavision but i it didn't it didn't make its way in the very end at the very end of the finale of wandavision where you can hear her kids calling out for her from another dimension that was right that was that was a pretty cool one but it it didn't it didn't make it well i think and some of them you know, they're cool in the moment. Like WandaVision is like, oh, we are setting up for Multiverse of Madness. But now that I've seen Multiverse of Madness, it's not as special. I know where that goes. Right. Um, whereas some of the, I think the more timeless ones are the just like, Captain America, fuck! Or, you know, anything, <laughs> anything along those lines. It's just like this big joke. And and it it really, it leaves you laughing. It's just like, you didn't expect that. But uh, it's great. I love that one. It was. That was, that was pretty cool. Um, I I didn't talk about it too much while we were leading the reading the lists because I was gonna I was gonna bring it up while talking about my list. But Danny's number four is actually my number four as well. Mm. From Napoleon Dynamite, the marriage sequence between Napoleon's brother Kip and his <laughs> online girlfriend La Fonda. Oh my god. I did not know what to make of this movie until I saw that scene. The whole rest of the movie was just so confusing to me the first time I watched it. I was like, what on earth am I watching? And then, like, when I when I saw that scene, it was like everything made sense, finally. And, like, it, it's so out there and so wacky and so zany and so unique that 
nothing else but Napoleon Dynamite would be able to pull it off. And nothing since has been able to pull it off. And it's just, it's so, so funny, all of the different little nuggets that help tie up the story with that particular marriage scene. It's just, it's crazy. And most of the time, I'm not a huge fan of, like, the the crazy, almost awkward, cringe type of humor. But that scene, I lost it. And I had and I had so much fun with it. So yeah, that is that is my number four. Great choice. Great choice. Um so my number four is one that is not from the MCU. Mm-hmm. It's from a franchise that is not known for post credit scenes. Hmm. But this was created by someone who was involved with a franchise that is very much known for post-credit scenes. And this just happens to be the first ever post-credit scene for this franchise. Of course, I'm talking about the season two finale of The Mandalorian, the post-credit stinger at the end, where we just got done seeing Luke Skywalker take away Grogu. It's all emotional. It's all crazy. And then Flash over to Tatooine, what's going on at Jabba's palace. We've got uh, Boba, Fett, and Fennec Shan going in and taking out everybody and mm. taking over the palace. And uh, wouldn't you know it, the book of Boba Fett coming next year. Just, uh, I mean, it's a great scene, but also brilliant way to announce a series. Like, Doing it that way. We didn't know anything about any of that. I don't think right. prior to that. Um, just a great way to announce that. And, uh, you know, as, as I said, Book of Boba Fett, I have mixed feelings about it still. But, you know, it, it was it was it was fun. And the way they revealed it and how it expanded the universe and uh, a great use of a post credit scene, I think. I I am pro post credit scene in Star Wars. I, I am all for it. Bring them on. And since we've had one more. Boba Fett had one, mm. so with with uh, Cobb Vanth in a in a in a thing, so yeah, we'll we'll see what happens in the future. I I, I think, given Favreau's history with the franchise, I think that's what you were alluding to, right? Yes, Fa- Fa- John Favreau's connectivity to the MCU, combined with his his influence uh, with with all of these Disney Plus franchises. Uh, I, I definitely don't think that is the last that we have seen of Star Wars post-credit scenes for sure, and it's it is a good one. It sets a really good tone because you you see uh, the demise of Bib Fortuna. We thought we'd already seen it, and then we officially see it uh, at the end of of Mando, which is it was it was pretty cool to see. And it definitely yeah, they, they brought him back for five seconds just to kill him off. Just to kill him back off. But it was it was interesting to see how how much of a of a tone Boba was trying to set um by taking the throne by force like that. It it definitely made me want to see more, and I did see more. Um I I tuned in uh every week as soon as that episode was as soon as that show was releasing. So I guess that scene did its job, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to tease you and keep you going. And yep. did this work? Did this work? Yep, for sure. 
Um, I'm not going to say too much about my number three because of spoilers, but uh, it's pretty much out there on the internet that um, Superman returns in the Black Adam post credit scene. Yeah. Um, that That's become heavily memed, and the news of Henry Cavill stepping away from The Witcher all but confirms that he is kind of returning to the universe and the franchise. And uh, I don't think we have seen him in the suit since Justice League. And even though we got the Snyder cut, like he didn't film any of that stuff recently, or very little of it yeah. was filmed recently. So, and it was all black suit, so. Right. And so we we really have not seen him in in suit and in character for, what, about five years now? Maybe six? So it was really cool to see him back. And it seems to be setting up for something big and something really good uh, in the franchise. And even though I don't have any opinions on Black Adam the movie, um, I'm going to stand by my assertion that I made to the Peacekeeper Bros chat by saying that this was one of the top five post-credit scenes that I've ever seen, and it's going to clock in at number three. Yeah, see, you've put me in a bind because I read uh, our good friend Star Raptor's review, and he was like, uh, don't we, don't waste your time with this one. Like it's it's fine, but don't don't go don't go don't go wasting your 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 hard earned money on things. Just wait for it to come out on HBO Max. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great, Star Raptor. Thank you for that 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 information. I'm just gonna wait. And then you you come at me like. Oh, that was the best post-credit scene of <laughs> one of the most best post-credit scenes I've ever seen. I'm like, well, crap. <laughs> now I have a choice to make. Do I go see this movie or not? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm probably gonna end up seeing it just for The Rock because, um, he he's also really involved in one of my favorite sports leagues, the XFL. He's uh, he's one of the new co-owners of that league, and so, I guess. A part of me wants to not only support that venture, but support some of the other stuff that he does too. So, even That's if it's not even if it's not the best movie, I'm I'm still gonna I'm still gonna support. That is understandable. So yeah, Superman's Return is my number three. Cool. All right. So my number where are we at number. I did. Number I did my three. Th- I did my three. So you're at three now. I'm at number three, and my number three is one that I think got mentioned a couple times tonight, and is the one of the post-credit scenes from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, and it's another one that's kind of a not as consequential, but still fun. Uh, Baby Groot dancing to the Jackson vibe is oh, yeah. classic. Such a classic thing of, uh, you know, for, further of, like, you get the, the emotional roller coaster of Guardians, of, like, oh, you lose Groot or whatever, and then just the whole tease of yeah he'll be back but he's gonna be a baby this time and what what does that mean and he's all he's still dancing he's still he's growing up around this music and uh, you know what's what's that going to entail and uh you know and it's still it, it spilled a lot uh baby group did not stop there by any means necessary um, right but it's a great scene by itself oh yeah it, it it's fun it's heartwarming it's just also really brief and and that that's that's the part that i had trouble with was the, the the brevity and the lack of consequence like i i love the ones that are that inconsequential they're they're fun they're whimsical they give me a reason to watch the credits 
I, I guess for whatever reason, a lot of the ones that I'm picking are the ones that are of consequence, the one that do have some sort of importance to the story, like when the when the pilot gets the nosebleed right before he spreads the disease all over the planet. Um, you know, it's just, it's things like that that end up making it to my list, I guess. It, it's nice when you're getting something and it does pay off into something. I think some post-credit scenes... Um, I think they've uh, I think John Favreau himself and Kevin Feige have talked about the original Nick Fury cameo in Iron Man. And they were like, we were just teasing this. We didn't even know this was actually going to happen. Like we didn't know we could we could do Avengers like we were just doing this just to tease mm -hmm. um, and just to see, you know, what, what people would think, um, not knowing, you know, what, what lied ahead. So, but it's so looking back, it's it's a classic because like, oh, this is where it all started. Well, and that was Danny's number one favorite post credit scene. So, you know, those it's things those things leave lasting impressions for sure. Deep. All right, are we on to um number the uh, the second favorite then, yeah? Second favorite, yeah. All right. This is um this is this is going to be a little interesting for me because I I don't really have a whole lot of love or favor towards the movie itself, but I really really appreciated um, what they did in the post credit scene, and that is Ant Man and the Wasp. Uh, I feel like oh yeah, I feel like Ant Man and the Wasp may have been a, a relatively forgetful movie, but the post credit scene had some stuff in it that was absolutely unforgettable in the in the sense that this is how Scott avoids the snap and makes it back to help out in Avengers Endgame. You know, he is in right. the quantum realm when the snap happens and all of the people that are there helping retrieve him from that quantum realm all get dusted and he's just stuck there and if he doesn't get stuck there if they don't get dusted and he doesn't get stuck there then we may not get the events of endgame to transpire the way that they do like his his impact and his influence not just in the mcu but but in the fate of this cinematic universe is all greatly impacted by this post-credit scene it is absolutely essential and and important and needed, and it's just such a a weird irony that all of that stuff I feel like is is necessary, but a lot of the stuff that happened in the movie itself was less than necessary. Yeah, I hear you. But i i very much I very much enjoy Scott getting trapped in the quantum realm. Yeah, it's a really cool scene, and and also. Huge teats for what's coming next. Yep. Um, is it num my number two now? Yeah, it is your number two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Some things um, I'm going to ignore that and keep going. Um, one that uh, I think maybe not consequential to the overall franchise, but maybe so actually with with Secret Invasion on the horizon for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think this actually plays in quite well with that. But uh, one of my favorite, my second favorite post-credit scene from any movie is one of, from one of my favorite movies, and that is from the end of Spider-Man: Far From Home. 
and it's the scene where um it, it kind of starts in the car where we find out that Nick Fury and Maria Hill were not Nick Fury and Maria Hill the entire movie. They were mm. being played by Talos in the scrolls. Um, and then it, it kind of folds into Talos calling Nick Fury and Nick Fury's, you know, out in space. And but you it looks like he's on a beach at first, but then he pulls back and he's on a spaceship. And it's just it kind of personifies the whole movie. The whole movie, the themes of it is like illusions and things not being as they seem and how things and, and it's kind of a, a packed together little scene of like oh it's it's nick fury Maria Hill, but no it isn't but oh nick fury's on the beach but no he isn't and it just keeps kind of messing with you and it keeps the movie going um and that coming immediately after the huge reveal of you know mysterio messing with the truth and also um Revealing the identity of Peter Parker and everything it goes in a new way home, which is we've already seen. But uh, I love the scene, especially because it, it just wraps up the movie really nicely. What's funny is that was one of the ones that I seriously considered um, for mine. That was one of the 14 that I had written down and just didn't quite make it. But it was one, like, one of the first three or four that I actually wrote down, period. Um, because I was I was very impressed by that scene and what kind of implications it had because all of that information about Peter and everything that had taken place in that movie we thought was safe and secure with with Fury and it turns out it wasn't Fury at all and so um, left left you with a lot more questions than you did answers that's a that's a really really good scene and I can see why you put it up that high yeah it's great um. Don't know what your favorite is, but I definitely know that um, my favorite does involve Nick Fury, but it does not involve him talking about the uh, Avengers Initiative. It actually has more to do with Nick Fury basically being more like Samuel L. Jackson than he ever has been uh, in the MCU. And it happens in Infinity War when... All hell is breaking loose, and he's able to hit the beeper that calls for help. And then right after that, uh, the dust storm makes it all the way to him. And right before he has the chance to say his iconic line, his mouth turns to dust. <laughs> I love that scene because it's it's it comes after a very intense moments, mm-hmm. very sad moments. Mm-hmm. And it's further kind of it, it kind of it shows us kind of just a glimpse of the chaos that the snap causes on Earth. Um, but it's also a moment of levity of like, oh, this is horrible. But uh, oh, he's in the thing. <laughs> it's kind of funny. And it gives you a little chuckle at the end of of a really hopeless and uh, sad situation. Yep. Yep, I and and I just love Infinity War. Like start to finish, Infinity oh, War is probably so my favorite MCU film, um, or at least in my top three, top five for sure. Because it's just it's so complete, and then that post credit scene helps complete it. Indeed. All right, drum roll, everybody! It's time for the the final post credit scene discussion of the evening. Ben, what you got, man? 
I think it kind of personifies uh, my view on this. You're you're very like, oh, here's all the important scenes. And I'm just like, oh, here's all the dumb, fun scenes. And this one is – there's no better example of dumb fun than the very end of Thor Ragnarok, which includes our beloved Jeff Goldblum rolling out of his ship and uh, <laughs> to a crowd of – I'm guessing former slaves, people that were uh, indebted to him. <laughs> and uh, he's like, oh, we had an uprising. Um, you all did well. Uh, it's a tie. <laughs> just, uh, it's so good. It's so Goldblum. And uh, it's a great – and, it may, and it, in, you know, speaking of teases for the future, we haven't got any more of the Grandmaster. But I, I would – I want more of him. I want more of that character, and I, I hope that's a – a tease of the future, but I, well, I mean, maybe because we got uh, the Hulk's son in She-Hulk, who's from Sakaar. So there's stuff's been happening out, out on that planet. So who right. knows um, if we could get, revisit the Grandmaster, what he's been up to all this time? I I would love that. Uh, Any time you get a chance to see Goldblum, especially in the MCU, that is definitely something that I want to jump on. So, uh, I I do love that scene, and honestly, I'm I'm truly embarrassed to say, I kind of forgot that one. Dude, I mean, there's so many. I there's, there was there was a, a several that people mentioned, and some even you mentioned that I completely forgot about. Mm-hmm. So no no shame, no shame. There there's a lot more than than I anticipated, and maybe that's a testament to this trope being so successful that, like. There's well over 30, 40 of them that, uh, you know, trying to narrow it down to five is, is actually a lot harder than I thought it would be. So credit credit where it's due. This this was this was a good discussion, and it took a really long time. We're almost two and a half hours into this. But you know what? We only do this once a month, so I guess we got to make it count, huh? Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. So uh, even but even back when we were doing this weekly, we would sometimes go a little yeah, we would. So, uh, yeah, but we would. Uh, yeah, it, it it makes it all the worthwhile, I suppose. Hopefully, we'll give you guys some good long episode to tide you over until we can next get together and do this again. But uh, yeah, this is this is further proof. I know some of you may may be wondering, like, are they going to come back? You know, we're supposed to get an episode this month, and we didn't get an episode. What's going on? Well, you're getting your episode. It was a little late. We apologize, but uh, just just shows our commitment that we're we're not giving up. We're going to keep it going as much as we can. Even if we have to do two episodes per month to make up for an episode we didn't do last month, so whatever. Ah, it, it'll all even out in the end. But this was this was definitely a fun talk, and um, because it's gone so late, we're probably just going to have to do um, a barbecue segment at the top of the next episode because we we just we just had too much fun doing all of this stuff. So we are um, we are fading okay it's after midnight for both of us we're yep. in the same time zone um uh even though i'm so ambitious like i'm gonna stay for the two and a half hours i'm probably gonna be asleep in about 10 minutes so um <laughs> it's 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 not good you don't want to hear that no because we've we've had podcast episodes where all it is is people snoring and you, you don't you don't want to hear that no no it's it's not it's we've already been there done that it's not fun <laughs> well be sure to go find us on the socials. In the meantime, IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be check uh, be checking out our Patreon and our Podbean. 
Uh, ipcpodcast.podbean.com is where you can find a more extensive library of our episodes if you want to go back and listen to stuff that we have talked about in the past. Um, you can definitely go and do that over there. If you're interested in becoming a patron, like I said, you can go to the Patreon or you can just hit us up on our socials and uh, talk to us personally about how we can do that. We do try to go live whenever we do the shows, just in case anybody wants to drop by like Danny did tonight. Um, and those can be expected probably about once a month. But we're also on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, so be sure to subscribe over there. Leave a rate and review. All of the different stars and stuff um, definitely help us um, so that you know, even though we have fewer episodes, we still get our ratings boosted a little bit, and uh, it's easier to, to distribute to people whenever we do post. As for me... I am over on uh, Zach the Voice on pretty much all socials. Um, I'm probably the most active on places like Facebook and Twitter, though. Um, but I've tried to be more engaging on Instagram. I'm trying to come up with new ideas for content on TikTok. So um, just go try to find me wherever you have a social media and find me there. And then I've also got the Game of Thrones podcast that I'm doing with uh, my buddy Sean over on Phantom Empire. And it's called House of the Empire. Um, we just finished doing a, a season one of House of the Dragon recap. And we got a couple of other great discussions on the horizon before we take a little break during the off season. So be sure to go check us out there as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, all I will say now is that uh, if you see me walking down the street, feel free to follow me. Because <laughs> that's the only way people are going to follow you now, huh? Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I will. I will accept that. <laughs> well, you do a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff at the SWU and Culture Slate, so um, even though you don't sign your name to it, you're still you're still out there. You're still doing stuff. I'm everywhere. Oh, I didn't need to hear that right before I go to bed. <laughs> but be sure to go check those places out and uh, go follow our socials at IPC Podcast because Ben posts some updates there as well. Um, like we said, we're trying to find time for an episode sometime in actual November for an actual November episode. So be sure to hit that subscribe button and hit the follow button on Mixler.com slash Zach the Voice just in case you happen to get an email alert when we go live over here. But Ben, unless you got any other thoughts, I think it's finally time to call it a night. Um, yeah, I think we did it all. It was good. Great episode, guys. Um, hope you guys enjoy this. Um, like I said, we'll be back later this month with another episode to make up for our transgression, our 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 just uh, our blatant disregard of our schedule. Um, but yeah, this was fun. Um, we'll have more stuff to talk about. Um, this was uh, appreciate you guys' patience uh, with us, and uh, can't wait to do this all again very very soon. Hopefully, time to put myself and this episode to bed. Number three fifty five is officially in the books looking forward to 356 somewhere down the line happy halloween happy november happy thanksgiving happy christmas happy new year happy whatever else is on the horizon who knows when you're going to hear from us next but for ben i'm zach thank you so much for being a part of the ipc podcast and we will see you all again very soon but until then good night everyone
you're still here. It's over. Go home. Oh, you're expecting a teaser for Deadpool 2. Well, we don't have that kind of money. You expecting Sam Jackson show up with an eye patch and a saucy little leather number? Go. Oh. 